0: And good morning. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Orioles fans, Baltimore area Chick-fil-A restaurants are hosting a contest for fans to win free Chick-fil-A for a year. To enter, follow at Orioles. Yes, Stan. Hang on, we got to we got to bring Stan. Yeah.
1: Did you say a year? For
0: a year. For a year. Apparently I'm not eligible, which is a big problem. Am I? i got to look into that. I don't know the answer. In order to answer, follow at Orioles on Instagram. Take a photo with the life-size Chick-fil-A cow bobblehead in the kids' corner at Oriole Park, so where all the, um, the playground is over that way. You know that little area down the right field line. Um, and post to your, your own Instagram feed using hashtag cow bobblehead sweepstakes. That's cow, not cal, cow. Cow like the Chick-fil-A cow, cow bobblehead sweepstakes. You could be one of 12 lucky fans to win free Chick-fil-A for one year. The contest ends on August 27th, so don't forget to visit the Kids Corner at Oriole Park to take a photo with the Chick-fil-A cow bobblehead. For rules, visit orioles.com slash chick fill a Chick-fil-A, but with the dashes, the way that they spell it in the company's name. Cool? capiche? Appreciate it. Good morning. Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. That's Griffin. And joining us here in studio this morning is the Chief Grand Poobah. It's been some time since we've seen our friend Stan the Fan Charles back in studio with us. It's great to see you, my friend. How good, you feeling, first of to, all?
1: Good to see you. Uh, recovered.
0: I like that covered
1: nicely, but now these allergies have kicked back I'm, in. Stan,
0: I am telling you, the worst allergy season of my life. To the yeah. point
1: where I will—I
0: tested multiple times last week because I said this can't just like. I got to the point where I said this can't just be allergies any right. longer. Right, it's I. I can't speak without straining. I can't, <clears throat> and I, I, I said I got a test. Test negative. What? The? A couple days later, I'm still dealing with it. Where I'm choking. Where I'm like the. Me- and I'm talking to my buddy Booker Corrigan, cause I did the uh, I I was the announcer for the Baltimore Ten Miler to help him out. Right. And I said on Friday, I'm like Booker, my voice is is not great. Right. Like it is. I'm 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 sucking down thirty lozenges a day trying to get through this. Like I don't know what to tell you. And he said, brother, I'm feeling the exact same yeah. way. The exact. I was just talking same. to Josh
1: last night. About 11:30 last night, we were texting. And he says his allergy is the worst ever.
0: I've never I've never experienced and, and I said,
1: What could be causing that? And I said, I'll bet it boils down to something with uh, global warming. It might it might you very know? well.
0: I did a I, I did a I did an Alex Jones impression on um the ra- on the radio show this past Sunday. We started talking about it and I was like,
1: The government has
0: weaponized the pollen against us. <laughs> Turned all the frogs gay, now they're weaponizing the pollen. It's the fascists and the global like I was doing that whole bit the other day because I was trying to you know, play on the voice. Um, great to see you, though. Uh, we, we had planned this before the news of yesterday unfolded. Ironically. What news? Yeah, <laughs> What news? <laughs> Later on in the show, you're going to hear an interview that we did with Jim Bowden that we had to record yesterday just to peel the curtain back. And Stan kind of references in the interview that there might be some trouble. At one point.
1: But he, I had no idea that it was going to represent itself in, in right, this way. Right. Yeah.
0: But it's just, you're going to hear Stan phrase a question or a response during the course of that interview that's going to make you say, oh, oh, there's been an issue here for a little yeah. while. There's been a problem. And Jim Bowden also said, yeah, I've kind yes. of heard some of the same things, so just an interesting part. We'll get to that later on. Yep. In a few minutes, we will talk uh, Sam Dykstra from MLB.com, MLB Pipeline. He's part of their team now, and we'll talk to him about prospects and you know maybe some thoughts on Grayson Rodriguez. Now, the
1: Bowden interview was ostensibly, though, about the Orioles being the number one, it, having it, the number right. one
0: Right, it, it, was, it was to be our weekly draft segment this week, and then just because it's Jim Bowden, we do an MLB draft segment every week leading up to the draft, and then because it was Jim Bowden, uniquely, I said, hey, I'd like to also cover some other ground with him and talk about, you know, you and I talked about Trey Mancini and Anthony Santander during One More Thing this yep. week. And I said, let's, let's put that to him. Let's talk to him about a couple other things where we can get not only his perspective as an analyst, but obviously from his many years as a general manager. Um, so we covered a lot of ground in that conversation. It was really really quite a, a very good conversation. Yep. But we don't, uh, again, I'll warn you, it doesn't directly cover the news of the lawsuit because that came out after we had taped that interview. So we're still going to air it. I think there's a lot of, of good stuff in there. We're still going to put that out later on in the program. Um, Stan, your just your gut reaction when, when this came across last night, immediately uh, what jumped out to you?
1: Well, two things. Number one, it wasn't shocking. It, it really wasn't. Uh, I, I did not know the depths to which... John and Lewis's relationship had fallen because um, the last time we've seen Lewis was the day the, that the Michael Elias, Elias was hiring yeah. and uh, there, there was an assumption that day that Lewis was good with everything that was going on. Uh, you know, there was a sort of a schism in the, in, in the hierarchy of the Angelos family That somebody had to, when Peter became incapacitated, which I was amazed that the Baltimore banner, nobody has mentioned anything about A, Peter collapsing, Mm -hmm. B, when exactly they knew the day it happened. Apparently,
0: they referenced it in the lawsuit. In the lawsuit, it was referenced. And so that's uh, Justin Fenton, Tim Prudenti, who wrote about the lawsuit when they got access to the lawsuit. That information was in there. Okay.
1: Well, that was pretty amazing stuff to me. So that was kind of the the big, the newsworthy part to me was that. Mm-hmm. I have not read anything about the really about the lawsuit last night. Uh, my attention was watching the House Committee uh, mm-hmm. thing last mm-hmm. night. So I, I that took precedent. Over the uh, the no, oh, you're family. saying you're saying <laughs> that an insurrection, an attempt <laughs> to take down our entire <laughs> our democracy, is yeah. maybe slightly more important than a yeah. baseball team. I don't know, yeah. Stan. Yeah, I, don't know. Uh, I, I thought you were even, a baseball guy. I didn't even <laughs> turn the Oriole game on until the ninth inning. Uh, but anyway, it was um, it wasn't shocking to me, and the overriding thing I felt was sadness. Yeah, you know,
0: I, Stan, I would back up that uh, there's. There's a few things that jumped out at me, and I ended up going back and forth with a bunch of people last night because of individual things that really hopped out at me within the lawsuit itself. I thought it was breathless. So if you were paying more attention to the hearings, that you, I still have you, not read you, and you probably missed some of the reaction to it. Yeah, the as appears to have been purposeful from Lou Angelos' camp. Right. The 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 thing that got everybody's attention and created the most explosive response was john's threatening to move the team to tennessee right which is not there's no actual truth to that right it's like you are a mark you're a rube they did that his team purposefully put that line in there and as justin and tim said in their story if you read the entire thing there's absolutely nothing else in the lawsuit that suggests there's any truth to it, other than essentially his camp trying to prey on the fears of Orioles fans that already exist right. and to get to them to side to curry it. favor yeah. towards Lou by throwing in this line. Well, uh, if if he wishes, and I, I'll try to pull up. I the,
1: thought that that was the 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 two things that struck me that were very really incredibly sad were Lewis's camp bringing that up mm-hmm. as some re- you know reason that some wrong was done here, that uh, holding that threat of moving mm-hmm. the team. And the other thing was mentioning somehow in the lawsuit that his dad continually badgered uh, John about never getting his law degree. Yeah, I mean, you that know? seems... I mean, that was very... Mm. I thought both of those were rather small-minded things. So
0: let me pull out these quotes. Just, just to be fair, The quote from the lawsuit, "Quote: John intends to maintain absolute control over the Orioles, to manage to sell, or if he chooses, to move to Tennessee where he has a home and where his wife's career is headquartered without having to answer to anyone. So that's bombastic. That is absolutely explosive. That gets everyone's attention immediately. this If we let this son of a bitch run the team, then he's going to move the team to Nashville. we got to do something about this. Mm-hmm. Except there's nothing else in the lawsuit that suggests that there that is... there's a danger of that a, happening. Any thought of that being real, there is a, the story that is presented that... In fact, that-
1: John has negotiated in good faith with the Maryland Stadium Correct. Authority to... To the to the deal that is in place now, and right? That the Ravens and the Orioles are going to have one point two billion dollars over the next like ten years. Although,
0: we, uh, what was that uh, House Bill? Yeah. I can't even remember which one, what the number was. But although we still have not seen a, a, a negotiated lease, right? right? Like, and that's still, and so it prays to Orioles fans' fears right. that until the lease is in place, there is this risk. they also presented a story that there was a potential for a sale in 2020 that John of they allege John scuttled John scuttled and they don't say who it was we don't know there have been some rumors over the years about potential interested parties one particularly wealthy family in this area that maybe would be interested in owning the Orioles I don't know if that's they don't say that that's who it was, but as the story goes on, and ultimately, you know, both Tim and Justin wrote the story, so I don't know who wrote this actual line. Near the end of the story, they say, while the lawsuit speculates that John Angelos might want to move the team, there are no allegations that he took any such steps. John Angelos, of course, has said the team would not be moving. You know, we they right. reference uh, the as be long, here, as, as, long as
1: Fort McHenry
0: is here is a, is watching of the harbor. So that it, to me, if you are Lou Angelos' lawyer. I can't be mad at you. You have a job to do. Your job is to make this as explosive and to try to curry as much favor and all of those things. So put out any explosive detail you could possibly put out. The rest of us have a responsibility to use at least the smallest amount of scrutiny as we discuss it. And sharing out the thought that you know they're at risk of moving to Tennessee or this is further evidence or something along those lines... Is shameless. It is. It's yeah, it breathless. Really, yeah. It is. There is absolutely nothing there, nothing that suggests as such. That
1: is the equivalent to the big lie in hundred, this in this particular instance.
0: If there's some sort of evidence of that, then it needs to be presented. This we have yeah, some a amount smoking of gun. Yeah. right. We have an amount of proof, or we can tell you that John is interested in that. We've. T- It's not referenced. It's thrown in there for the express purpose of your reaction. Your reaction is why they throw that line in there. The other part that I brought up is that they, for whatever bizarre reason, they highlight Brady Anderson... (laughs) The suit says, a top priority of Angelos' wife, Georgia, 80, has been to sell the team, and an advisor went about trying to negotiate a sale in 2020. Luis Angelos said John Angelos nixed the deal. We referenced that. It also claims that John Angelos forced out former star center fielder and Orioles Hall of Famer Brady Anderson from his front office role because he, quote, presented a threat, unquote. For what it's worth, let's just say for the hell of it, Stan, let's just say that's true. Let's say that's the reason why John Angelos... Uh, had Brady Anderson move from his post. You know what anyone with a brain would say in response? Good. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, It's such a bizarre thing to highlight in a lawsuit as if it, it. what I said immediately was this is the thing that presents the best argument for why John should be running the team. is because he was the one that understood this is insane. <laughs> We're letting a guy have this – like, n- unbelievable role where he answers to no one, where he's both part of the front office and, for whatever reason, a spy in the clubhouse.
1: He got rid of— Well, and he was also—had uh, something to do with upgrading the nutrition. Right, that's, the, that's right. The, he uh, was doing
0: club, that, yeah. too. He got rid of the pitching coach regime that had such unbelievable success with Buck Showalter and Dave Wallace and Dom Chidi. The group of guys that were getting the most bang for their buck from a group of pitchers that, frankly,
1: there was no business getting that much bang for your buck from.
0: And that's the guy you want us to be mad about that he got rid of?
1: (laughs) That's the guy? I'll just tell you an insight without sharing the name. I I was very fond of a potential candidate for the... Team president, general manager role. Okay, and I spoke to this person. This is post
0: Dan Duquette or before? This, this is, is when Duquette. Dan, this,
1: when is Duquette got... du, this is before Duquette. This is before been let go. It was sort of reading the tea leaves, oh, or, or saying if he, this job
0: remembered Duquette wanted to be in Toronto and.
1: No, actually, this had more to do with with the thought that they weren't going to retain Dan. Okay, okay. I was first of all, I will say that I was in Dan's camp. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I thought he deserved a real shot at running this team the way that Mike has had Mm -hmm. at running this team. Um, But when that became uh, apparent, it wasn't going to happen. I thought there was somebody that John should talk to. And I spoke to this person. I said, look, I'm not best friends with John Angelos, but I think when we talk baseball, he respects my, my knowledge a little bit. Would you like your name thrown in? He goes, well, let me just tell you something. First thing I'm going to do if I would get a meeting is ask him what the hell does Brady Anderson do for this team. He goes, "What exactly does he do, Stan?" And I said, "I can't I can't really tell you." No. You, you, know, you there's, can't. There's no role.
0: His role was unjustifiable. You could yeah. not justify the role that Brady Han- Anderson had with a major league team. Yeah. And that's on the record. That's not a something somebody heard, that's on the record. Rosenthal wrote the story five years ago. You can go back and read it. It was unjustifiable. We all had heard weird things about Brady Anderson, but none of us had really put it on the record that like, hey, there's a problem here. And I don't personally dislike Brady Anderson. He's certainly not a beloved former player because of you know, the steroid thing. Like, he's a guy that we all kind of enjoyed watching and we enjoyed yeah. the 50 home run he- season, but ultimately we also kind of know what happened there, and so it's more like, a, yeah, we like we like Brady Anderson, the player, yeah. but he's not such a... But this is not... They, they highlighted in this lawsuit as if it was like him firing Cal Ripken or firing Brooks Robinson, firing Brady Anderson. There, there was no reaction to it there was no oh this is a huge problem for the orioles it was the exact opposite which is if you're going to hire a general manager you should make sure that guy unilaterally gets to run the team and doesn't have to answer to some other weird interloper so that part (laughs) of this it's a
1: good that's a good expression like brady anderson that's what he was
0: Like the players are all like is he is he supposed to be one of us? He's right, he works he, for the owners. He's spying right, on he, us but and he reporting he's
1: in here and in changing you know.
0: Right. Like he's acting like he plays for the team still, yeah. but yet he's working for the owner like and and there's supposed to be sanctity to the clubhouse that yeah. like what's shared in the clubhouse is between us and doesn't go back to the <laughs> bosses and it made players openly uncomfortable. uncomfortable yeah. There was no justification for this role, this autonomy, that Brady Anderson had been given within this organization, which, again, doesn't mean that John Angelos has done everything right at every turn. But this is not the example of something that would make anyone say, oh, God, we can't let that guy run the team. He fired Brady Anderson. It's the exact opposite of that.
1: It's. I will tell you the one baseball... Moves that Brady, uh, when I say one baseball moves, remember that spring training where out of the clear blue, like within two days, they signed Andrew Kashner mm-hmm. and then and then Alex Cobb yep. to the long term four year contract. And in fairness, we that, were all
2: excited about yeah, those signings. Yep, yep. yep.
1: Uh, but it turned out that those two they were very low hanging fruit for Brady. They mm. were. It was mid March. Both of them were still free agents. And they just happen to be represented by the agency that represented Brady Anderson. Uh, how so, how mean, interesting. Yeah. How interesting. And that doesn't make it evil, no. But it makes it like almost like sort of incestuous yes, that he's and, picking players that were still free agents that he had some type of relationship with through the agency.
0: And then to boot, neither one and of them really worked of, out yeah. as yeah. Orioles pitchers, right? Yeah. Like, on top of everything else, yeah. neither one of them really succeeded as Orioles pitchers. I, I'm not I'm not here to tell you that I know the answer to the, the John Angelos, Lou Angelos debate, because I sure as hell do not. That is a far bigger problem um, for a family and for a franchise. Um, what I know is... There is nothing that has been presented so far that makes me say god I, I we need to side with Lou Angelos on this one. There's nothing so far that makes me say I am I'm in his camp. Now, I'm not telling you that I'm in anybody's camp because the camp that I'm in is what's best for the Orioles. And I think the answer that most people are going to say is for them to not have anything to do with the Angelos family drama. Um the 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 best I, thing I for will the or- tell
1: you, you know, not that I'm uh, look, I'm uh, John's a friend of mine mm-hmm. over the years, so I, I, I'm not going to recuse myself because I'm not in a position to sway that many hearts and minds. I will tell you that the one area that Lewis may have some some ground on is what Peter's wishes What his were. intent was. Right. You know, And he, he's maintaining that Peter wanted the two brothers to run this team together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I don't know how possible that was, uh, or whether it could ever happen. But that's the one area that Lewis may be able to prove somehow that, hey, Dad really, his wishes were that we run this
0: together. It's going to, again, be difficult in the court of public opinion to sway yeah. people that, hey, we should do things the way that Peter wanted it to be done because, of course, the of court course. of public opinion would say, no, we shouldn't. That right. was the problem with the Orioles for right. a very long time. The, is doing the what...
1: difference is, and I know we've got to guess, right. but the difference yeah. is that this will not be decided. In the court of public. Uh, 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 it will uh, be decided upon uh, what if will they Lewis If it improve. ends up going to a jury yep. trial.
0: Yep. Correct. Yep. Exactly right. All right, we will come back to it. I promise. It's not. We we know it's the story today, and we will get to it. And I'll get to some of your responses that have already come in. Stan's going to be with us all morning. Uh, today's show also brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Sixty-one self-service kiosks in the FanDuel Sportsbook tonight. Game four of the NBA Finals tomorrow. UFC two seventy-five. Two huge events this weekend. If you want to be there, there are going to be big crowds for both events. So. Email events at sportssocialmd.com right now. Events at sportssocialmd.com, and you can reserve your table. Reserve your reclining chairs, whatever it is that you, your group, is looking for. Because if you just show up tonight night, it's possible that it ends up being a standing room type of crowd in the FanDuel Sportsbook or tomorrow night, particularly for the fights. Because you know who wants to pay to to get the pay per view at home? They want to come out to the FanDuel Sportsbook and watch the fights there. So game four tonight.
1: Save that money so you can you bet, bet it on
0: we'll bet on, on, uh, on uh, Yuri uh, prohaska yeah. Exactly right, 100 percent. Um, so, yes, email events at sportssocialmd.com to hang out in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel there, Maryland. There's
1: no chance that there will be a, a fight between John and Lou
0: I don't, tonight. I don't think, no, 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 that definitely will not be happening. I don't think they'll be taking bets on that either in the <laughs> FanDuel Sportsbook. Let's get to uh, some actual baseball conversation. Our next guest is now part of the uh, M-I- com team, the MLB Pipeline team. Um, and he was uh, very helpful with their most recent uh, Top 100 Prospects update just a couple of weeks back. Joining us now, he is Mr. Sam Dykstra. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Sam, it's Glenn and Stan the Fan Charles here in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time for us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Obviously, we, we apologize. Kind of an awkward day that you ran into as uh, the Orioles, uh, in the lawsuit between the owners of the teams. So we apologize. They were getting a little carried away there. Um I want to start with Grayson, right? Because he's obviously, he was your guys' top pitching prospect in baseball. How does this impact the way you all will look? Do you need to see Grayson come back, respond to the injury? When you guys do another update, how will it be impacted by this injury?
3: I mean, that's a fascinating question, and and one we're going to have to wrestle with ourselves. Um, I think the encouraging thing is that it's not a shoulder injury. It's not an elbow injury it's nothing really mechanical A lat it's kind of, you know, it's a freak injury, but I don't expect it to affect his mechanics at some point. Um, I would love to see him come back at some point in some fashion. Um, You know, speaking selfishly as somebody who covers the Arizona fall league, I think that kind of could be perfect for him just to show a little bit of stuff, a little bit of recovery uh, and get him into a competitive environment before the season's up. The Orioles might decide, Hey, it's not worth it. We're, like they've said recently, we're really geared towards getting him into the opening day rotation in 2023. Having him pitch in the AFL might not help in that regard. So we'll see how it's going to go. I, I think you know we may not have him at number three overall because there's every chance that guys are going to pass him. But given what he showed before the injury, it was four-plus pitches. It was really good control. It was basically a major league-ready arm, probably two starts before the injury even happened. Um, he's certainly going to be in the top 10 conversation all over again. This injury, as bad as it is, I don't think will be a major setback in terms of rankings. Maybe a little bit of one just because other guys will have so much more momentum going into next year, and it's going to hurt him the lost innings. But in terms of the nature of the injury, I don't think it's going to set him back that much in terms of how we view him. Because he's still only 22 years old. He's turning 23 in November. He'll still be kind of young for the Triple A level coming, going into 2023.
1: Sam, I just wanted to ju- I'm Stan. I uh, just wanted to jump on um, the, the other pitchers. How far below Grayson? I'm not saying numerically, but uh, DL Hall. how what level is he below Grayson Rodriguez is a real prospect? And my second part of that question is there's been some thought here because of injury problems that boy, the club ought to be proactively, Turning him into like the next Josh Hader, where do you fall in
3: those two areas? Yeah, so I think with DL Hall, the reason why, and, and you know, I know you said not numerically, but just to give you know your listeners an idea of how far we have these two guys ranked. Right now, we have Grayson Rodriguez, he number three overall. We have DL Hall, number seventy-nine. Okay. Now, DL Hall is trending upwards for sure. He is pitching, yeah. he is healthy, he is effective. I just wrote him up the other day, um, but he has such a wide difference in potential outcomes you mentioned making him a josh Hader. i mean that's that's difficult to do <laughs> there's only one josh <laughs> Hader in the world right now yeah um, but he he certainly could be an effective reliever the fastball is already touching triple digits um he's got two good breaking balls and a really solid changeup that would work in shorter stints and because of his injury problems in the past including elbow issues last year maybe it's best to just move him into a relief role i still believe in him as a starter i think he could be a number three type, maybe even a number two type, Mm -hmm. given the quality of pitches. The command has been an issue in the past. That kind of dings him a little bit. And again, we have not seen him pitch more than 94 and a third innings in a single season. So trying to project him to be a starter who can throw 200 innings in a season is kind of difficult at this stage. I think there's still the potential for that to happen. If I'm the Orioles, I'm pushing off that reliever conversation until next year at Mm -hmm. the earliest is because I want to get as much value out of D.L. Hall as I possibly can. Getting him to throw five, six innings every fifth day is how you're going to do that. And like I said, the stuff is there for that to happen. It, it's um,
1: just a little reminiscent to me of when the Orioles acquired Dylan Tate from the Yankees. He was a a starting prospect at the time, although his history in college was as a relief pitcher. But I looked at the innings pitched, and Dylan Tate, when the Orioles acquired him like three, four years ago, was, uh, was already 24 years old, I believe, and he had not pitched more than like 70 innings in any season, so it struck me as odd, and I was saying they ought to move him back to the bullpen. Uh, and it just looks that way to me with Hall. Yeah,
3: I, I think the difference is Dylan Tate, when he was acquired by the Orioles, he had, you know, an aura around him as a relatively high pick. Yep. Um, like you were talking about, previous organizations had transferred him from the bullpen to a starting role, hoping that the stuff could stick. Mm-hmm. And it didn't in the way that D.L. Hall's stuff does stay. Yeah. He's still throwing upper 90s deeper into outings. The slider maintains velocity. The curveball still looks really good late. So that's kind of the difference for me is that Dylan Tate, there was a the hope that he could transition into a starter, whereas D.L. Hall. He looks like a starter right now. He just needs to be on the mound consistently gotcha. to show that. Gotcha. Um, and the stuff is certainly there,
0: though. Yeah, and you can certainly argue the Orioles need him to be a starter, given what it is right. they have. Sam Dykstra is with us, MILB.com and MLB Pipeline. We're talking about the top prospects. Um, Sam, obviously, you, in your guys' most recent update, Adley Rutschman had not been at the major league level long enough to have graduated from the list, so he's still number one on the list. I, I, I I'm asking the question, knowing the answer, but I just want you to say it anyway. I'm guessing you're not overly reacting to his slow start to his major league career, correct? <laughs>
3: yeah, very much not reacting uh, in any way. And it's funny because going into his debut, I actually talked to him down in Norfolk uh, for a brief time, and, and I brought up, hey, you know, you know who the other top prospects in the game are right now, Bobby Witt Jr., Julio Rodriguez. Those guys got off the slow start. Uh, is that something you're worried about? And he's like, no, no, I don't. I'm not. I'm only worried about where I am right now. And it's, it's a similar story for Adley Rutschman right now. I think the biggest jump in baseball, it shouldn't be a surprise, but is going from the AAA level to the major league level. Uh, and, you know, we saw those early struggles with Witt and Rodriguez. Now those guys are, are looking stronger by the day. I fully believe Adley Rutschman going to do the same thing. One of the best things about him is he's a student of the game. He's constantly learning. He's picking up new things. I'm sure the more he learns about how major league pitchers are attacking him, he has every, uh, every capability of adjusting to that and becoming you know, the above-average hitter we all believe him to be.
0: I mean, I, 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 am, I want to make it very clear. I am not panicked about Adley Russo. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just asking the yeah. question, that's yeah. all.
4: Hey, yeah.
1: um, one player that's a total mystery to, to us is uh, Heston Kirstad. Um, what what do you know about him and this this comeback from, you know, uh, his his multiple situations?
3: I, I I didn't quite catch the name. Can you say? Heston, it? Kirsten. Kirsten. Heston Kirsten. oh Heston Kerstad. Oh, uh Oh, as of right now. <laughs> oh, remember him, plan. the number one. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's the biggest problem for us. Is it's you know what happened after COVID was really unfortunate, um, you know, battling back from myocarditis, there was hope that he could play at some point this year. Um, seems like he was on track. That's not happened so far. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it's a really important, there's obviously no way anybody could have predicted who's going to get myocarditis, yeah. and that's, it's a scary thing for an athlete. Yeah. It's a scary thing for anybody. Um, but somebody who is going to constantly be in kind of high pressure situations, you want your heart to be in the right place. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, as of right now, you know, it, I haven't heard any news of him potentially coming back anytime majorly soon. Yeah, um, I haven't checked in on that in a little while. When he debuts, it'll be a huge deal. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, just to see him getting back. And yeah, getting the, back the and issue is
1: it, the issue is somehow some kind of what's it, a, a, a glute muscle or a hamstring. He's got some kind of leg buttock uh, muscle issue. You know, that's what's kept him out of for the
0: and, this and, year. and for the record, I know he was taking batting practice at Delmarva this week, so right. there's some hope that he'll be ready to, to get some game action. But, yes, it's very difficult. Yeah. Um, I just it, it, two names, and, and Stan and I talked a little bit about them this week. One being, how high are you on Gunnar Henderson at this point? I know you guys have moved him into your top 50 of prospects. I still don't know for sure if he's a shortstop. I also don't know for sure that it <laughs> matters because – I think the point is he can play somewhere, and the reality is the bat's going to play, correct?
3: Yeah, no, totally. I mean, he's one of those players coming into the year where I thought he was probably going to be a better fit as a third baseman. They've played him more and more, it feels like, at third base. He's played two or three games so far with Norfolk at third base. Um, Basically, just because of his size, his arm is really good. Uh, it, it'll certainly play at 30, he's listed at two, two 210 pounds. But like you said, the bat has been as exciting as basically anybody in minor league baseball this season. Um, what he was doing at Bowie I think was really special, You know, hitting above 300, showing some power, walking more than he struck out, which is a major deal for somebody who struck out 143 times mm-hmm. last year. That's not easy to do, to yeah. just turn that switch of, I'm going to understand the zone better, especially going to Double AA, uh, like he is at just 20 years old. Um, when he moved to Triple A, he was the youngest position player there, and then homered. So it, it, he doesn't seem daunted by the the transition there, and, and we'll see how you know Triple mm. A pitching is going to transition to him and and adjust to him. But you know, in our conversations about where we move guys in the top one hundred, he has as much helium as anybody, and I think even if he does move to third base, which is not as premium a position as shortstop, he's going to be good defensively there and the bat. Is playing especially well from the left side, and he's going to provide more than enough valuable or more than enough value to be a really good third baseman as well.
0: And I saw you got to
3: see Colton Kowser this week. I did. Yes, I was. I was. I, I live here in Brooklyn. Uh, I was at the Cyclones game last night. They were playing the Aberdeen IronBirds, so I got to see him and Kobe Mayo, uh, which was pretty special. I know Kowser's off to a bit of a difficult start. He's striking out a lot more than many of us expected this year at High A. But watching his at-bats last night, it was solid contact. It was line drive. It was hitting the ball to the gaps. Uh, Brooklyn is a really difficult place to show off power because it's right on Coney Island, right next to the beach, the wind blowing off the water. Um, it's difficult to drive the ball to right field for a left-handed batter like him. So he kind of took advantage and was shooting for the gaps and, and got two doubles, went three for three with a walk, um, showed a good approach late. I know it's just one look, but based off what I saw last night, I think he's about to go on a run, um, I think he's still comfortably a top 100 prospect, and he could have a plus, so maybe even a plus plus hit tool when it's all said and done.
1: You know, about five weeks ago, Sam, I went out to see Rutchman the second night of his rehab at Aberdeen, and I had I had heard about Kobe Mayo that he was some kind of hot shot prospect, and somebody mentioned to me the night before he had hit two home runs, so I was out there with our editor at Press Box. And he came up the third time. He had struck out and grounded out. And he hit the ball hard when he grounded out. But he was facing the same pitcher. And I turned to my editor and I said, Luke, this is the third time he's facing this guy. He ought to be able to pick one out. And I hear this sound. And I turned my head back. And he had launched one like like I remember Mark McGuire's type of home runs. <laughs> uh, and then he hit one the next night I heard. Um, how good do you think he can be?
3: Yeah, I think he can be really good. I mean, you mentioned how solid of a contact he has. He's six foot five, two 215 pounds. Like, yeah. he, he has the size to really produce some good exit velocities, and that's why we were pretty high on him coming into the year, projecting him for plus power. It, it's all going to come down to, as won't be a surprise for anybody of that size, like how much contact is he going to make? what's going to happen when he is challenged more at the upper levels. He's striking out right now, roughly a quarter of the time mm-hmm. at high A. That's only going to get worse at double A AA and triple A unless he makes an adjustment. Okay. Um, but the power is really good. The arm is tremendous at third base. Uh, he actually reminded me a little bit looking at him last night of, and I don't know how many of your listeners will know this name, but Brett Beatty, who is a third base prospect who we're very high on from the New York Mets system, kind of similar size, um really big guys who play into their power baby's left-handed hitting mayo's right-handed hitting uh but it, it's special pop uh, it's, when you talk about right-handed batters now in baltimore i guess you gotta have to question how mm-hmm. much is that power gonna play with the fence move back in left field mm-hmm. at the yards but still he has enough to, to hit it out of the park anywhere it's just is he gonna limit those strikeouts and be able to cover the plate enough but offensively defensively there's a lot
0: to like there sam dexter before we let you go i know you're not the draft guy for mlb.com but have you done any work on these guys at all only in the context of like if the orioles were to take drew jones number one overall do you have any idea like where you would think he would line up in your rankings when he makes his debut if he's the number one pick do you have any thought for that
3: yeah, well, that's uh, so I, I did get to see Drew Jones a little bit last year in the PDP League. Um, obviously, a lot has changed for him since then. Uh, I think when I saw the PDP League, Elijah Green was the big name. Tamar Johnson was a big name. Drew Jones, obviously a big name because of who his father is, um, but he's done a lot since then. I, You would probably put him right in that Rodriguez range, I, I think, wow. right now.
2: Wow. Just because of how
3: gifted of a runner he is, how gifted of a center fielder he is. Obviously, Gunnar Henderson, like I said earlier, has as much helium as anybody in the system, and maybe you give him an advantage for already performing at the upper levels, but if he is moving to third base, that's not a premium position. Drew Jones is a locked-down center fielder. The bat's going to play. The speed is going to play. It's a true five-school talent. The only thing that's different between him and Grayson Rodriguez is, you know, the ceiling's about the same, maybe, but it's just minor league experience. Uh, But Drew Jones, when he enters pro ball uh, is going to become one of the best outfield prospects in all of baseball immediately. And I would put him probably right now at the number three spot. Wow! Uh, but you could even debate him versus Grayson Rodriguez, especially coming off that injury.
0: That's pretty remarkable. All right, Sam Dykstra, what can we plug for you, man? What, uh, what should people be checking out right now, social media, the whole deal?
3: Yeah, so, well, this will be of interest. We were talking about D.L. Hall before. Um, we're starting a new series called the Pipeline Pitching Lab. Uh, So I broke down a D.L. Hall start just this week that's now up on MLB.com. Awesome. Uh, You can also follow it on or find it on Orioles.com. But, uh, yeah, talk to D.L. Hall in Norfolk about all four of his pitches, what works best, what he likes best, how things have developed over the years, uh, especially coming off the injury. So be sure to check that out. And, uh, yeah, just follow all of our stuff uh, online at MLB.com slash Pipeline. At Sam Dykstra,
0: M I L B is how you follow him on Twitter. Sam, really appreciate it, man. Thank you for taking the time for us.
3: Yeah, thanks so much.
0: Sam Dykstra, MLB.com, MLB Pipeline, M I L B.com. That's where you find his stuff. That's, by the way, I mean, saying that immediately a guy taken with a number one pick could be a top five prospect in all of baseball is a pretty dramatic statement. That, like, on the moment he shows up, having done nothing, He's a top-five prospect. This only goes... I don't know if we're going to talk more about this with Jim Bowden later, Stan, but I I, I struggle because the Orioles have not done... In the Mike Elias era, they have not taken a high school anything with their first pick. So... We've heard rumors about them already being interested in cutting deals and, and who else? Jacob Barry's name has been in the mix a couple times, but other people have said, no, I don't think it's Barry that they're looking to cut a deal with. They, they did bring in – we know they've already brought in a few of these high school guys for workouts. The question that I always come back to, I, it appears as though they believe there's inequity and that we can – maybe find a Kobe Mayo by being willing to do some of these things. Mm-hmm. That's what they did with Heston Kerstad, right? Yeah. And they had no idea what was going to come with Heston Kerstad, right. so it doesn't look good right now, but that's not... That's, it's, that's a fluke. Correct. It's yeah. not because there was a scouting problem right. necessarily. Maybe there would have been, but right. we don't know there's any issue with the scouting. It's just, unfortunately, awful things happen. But their argument was, by doing that, we were able to get Kobe Mayo. And if we hadn't done that we hadn't gotten Kobe Mayo. So in a world where Heston Kerstad is progressing and looks like a viable baseball player and you have Kobe Mayo, their argument is this is why it was worth doing. But I struggle with that because, okay, but if the player you're passing up on in the process is so good that we're going to be thinking about it for years to come, that you decided not to take that player getting an extra good player out of it might not make up for that to was, me.
1: Was Kerstad the year the year of the um of the pandemic? Yes, it was the year so, of the So, that was draft. the other guy that they they bid over slot was Carter Baumler. Was uh, the, yeah, pitcher, the pitcher who's yep. unfortunately mm-hmm. had Tommy John surgery. Yep. But he's uh, on his way back. He's ranked uh on this one is this the MLB.com prospects Orioles. He's ranked 28th, but he was a uh, very highly thought-of guy that the Orioles bought out of going to college.
2: And
0: for what it's worth, the guy that everybody was hot and bothered about in 2020, the guy that you said you can't Austin pass Martin. on was Austin Martin, who the Blue Jays moved on from fairly quickly. I think we were all stunned by how quickly that they— Well, they
1: did trade him for Jose Barrios.
0: Understood, yeah. right? But, like, if this is that type of rock star, right. I, I'm, there's nothing I'm moving that guy for. Yeah. I'm not—if if he really is that guy— I'm not moving him for anyone, right? Because I'm not giving up on that.
1: That's a lot. It's just remember one thing about the Blue Jays. They had invested a huge amount of money in George Springer and they had Bo Bichette at yep. shortstop. Yep. So he's a little redundant, whereas the pitching is awfully hard to find. Well,
0: I, what I would say is it's Austin Martin's also been a 260 hitter in his, yep. in his minor league career. My, my point is that Austin Martin has not projected – so far, so far to, be to what back up being the guy that yeah. everyone was raving about is definitely being the top guy in that draft. Yeah. Now, the the conversation surrounding Drew Jones is is more heightened than the conversation was about Austin Martin at the time. The conversation now surrounding Drew Jones is dude, this guy's that good. Yeah. Like he's that good. You don't screw this up. Whatever you do, you don't you just take Drew Jones and be done with it. Move on. Don't try to outsmart yourself this time. This is the guy. That's tricky because we just haven't seen Michael Elias and his camp do that yet. We have not seen them go the high school route with their top pick.
1: I'm and the other kid this year is Holiday. Matt Holiday is Jackson, Jackson, Jackson Holiday is yeah. thought
0: of as that high And there are still people that say while Drew Jones is the best prospect and Jackson Holiday might be the next best prospect the guy with the highest upside is Elijah Green right. who's the son of former Raven Eric, Eric Green, Green. Um, so you know that's kind of but that seems like an extraordinary wild card like yeah. you're you've never taken a high school player before and now you're going to take the guy that's the upside guy that people are kind of worried about the swing and miss stuff with I don't I don't know. Well, about
1: we'll that. know in about five five and a half weeks. Yep, right? All Star
0: come All Star weekend. Yeah. That's the time.
1: Yeah. Um All Star we... game this year is the nineteenth of July. Is that right? It's yeah. the following week. Yeah. Oh
0: man, I planned my vacation poorly. Yeah. <laughs> I poor. I <laughs> thought I I thought I planned it perfectly honey, for All Star week. Honey, never mind. <laughs> Um, I just read that the other day. We're we're uh, we're going on a cruise with my my parents. Oh. By the way, it's this. My parents are cruise people, and they decided they wanted the entire family, kids included, to go on a cruise with them. I've never been on a cruise before. This is uh, the amount of things that Bring go out in the lifeboat. I swear to God, th- I have gotten twelve emails from my. Well, you got to make sure you do this, and you got to make sure you do that, and you can't do it, I'm like. Is this a vacation? <laughs> like what? I- and by the way, all we're doing is going to Central America in the middle of July. <laughs> the sun is going to murder me every day.
1: What could possibly go wrong?
0: God. Um, but we're going to be gone. I, I haven't really talked about this openly. We're, I'm going to be gone, the, and, and Griffin's actually on vacation the same week. Um, but it, we're timing it out. Uh, I think we've kind of hinted that we are uh, making a move here at Pressbox. We're going to be leaving... Um, the Hamden area and moving into the county. we have been here
1: 16 years.
0: That's remarkable. That is remarkable. Um, and but we're, look, we're excited about it. Um, you know, like like the rest of the world, the pandemic kind of changed the way the office looks here, and you know, this the space needs you have. just no longer was the right fit for our company, yeah. and so we're moving to uh Towson, and it's gonna require probably us taking some time off completely. Like, there's just the the i've got another studio we might use for a little while in order to make sure we're doing the show but ultimately there's probably going to be an amount of time where we're just Stan's not filling in kz's not filling in it's just we're off for a little while this summer not a prolonged period of time not a month just a an amount of time this summer we will probably end up just being off because to get the studio we want to make right sure we way. get yeah, – yeah, we want to make sure this – we're looking to upgrade, by the way, as yeah. as we do this. We're looking to improve the look, the sound, all of it in the process of making this move to a new studio. So I haven't really talked about that much because it doesn't largely affect you, but we're, we're kind of nailing that down. It's coming. Within the next month or so, there will likely be some time where – we will just be taking some time off here in the middle of the summer. Your two sons are
1: not suing each other. Not
0: that I know of. Okay. Not yet. Not yet, but there's days where they threaten they might they might there's sue
1: you over the uh, the cruise. Although 100%. Although
0: no, they're very accept- they th- they see that there's a water slide. They don't care about and in their mind, right. their day, they get to spend the entirety of the day going down the water slide. Water slide. That's all they're thinking about. They getting off the boat? No. No. We will be using the water slide. For 12 day. hours a day. That's all we're going to be doing. All right, when we come back in, uh, I want to get to a few questions. One, this has been presented from Chris, so Stan, I'm teasing it. Don't answer it yet. I'm teasing it is. This is from Chris. Do you guys think there's any way that this forces MLB's hand to step in and do something? When we come back in, we'll address that. Jim Bowden's still to come this morning. Stan, the fan, Charles is here. It's a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. <laughs> Help.org. are you ready soccer fans
3: this summer the english premier league returns to baltimore arsenal everton square off in the charmed city match july 16th under the lights at m&t bank stadium home of the baltimore ravens this is your only opportunity to take in a premier league match this summer in the mid-atlantic region individual and group tickets are on sale at baltimoreravens.com
0: The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas. Locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles,
5: Ravens, and Terps at PressboxOnline.com. To follow the show on Instagram, it's just Glenn Clark Radio. And to follow the show on OnlyFans, wait, I don't think you're supposed to know about that one. Anyhoodle, take it away, boys.
0: Stan the Fan Charles is in studio with us this morning here on GCR. Stan, you and Gary Stein had a very interesting guest on your show last night.
1: Yes, we uh, interviewed. Uh, came about through Gary, uh, his knowledge of uh, UMBC sports and athletics. We interviewed um, a brilliant softball pitcher named Courtney Coppersmith, uh, who uh, is a pretty amazing young woman. She's not only like a academic All American for mm-hmm. the second year in a row. She's staying for a fifth year at UMBC mm-hmm. to get her doctor to start her doctorate. In um, chemistry, Uh, she wants to be a pharmaceutical researcher, Uh, you know, researching, creating chemicals and things for stuff. So she's pretty amazing. But in addition to that, she's uh, just a tremendous softball pitcher who the past two years— has had an earn run average of under it's one, unbelievable like she's, zero six zero or something she's almost
0: like. single-handedly
1: delivered them yeah. to
0: the NCAA tournament multiple times yeah. I
1: mean, it's it's incredible and in addition to that she's very upfront about her own battles with uh, anxiety and depression and uh, she very well spoken just a very special young lady
0: if you yeah. missed that show or if you missed Stan and Ross catching up with Mike Boddicker earlier in the week go to facebook.com pressbox sports PressBoxOnline.com slash video or YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. You can find those shows there. All right, Stan, Chris wants to know, is this the moment where somehow MLB steps in?
1: Well, MLB certainly would probably reserve the right to step in, but that could possibly produce yet another lawsuit. Uh, I think more than likely... My bet would be right now that John Angelos and Rob Manfred have sort of buddied up, uh, and I think uh, Rob is appreciative of what John brings to the table. And my my gut feeling is they don't feel the same way about Lewis. Um, um, so that's just my my gut feeling tells me if I had to bet, I think Rob Manfred would put his – would put his chips in the John and Georgia Angelos folder for now.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, for And by the way, I don't – I just don't even know what that would be. I don't know what MLB could do here.
1: Like, I I, I, I don't – I think yeah, – you, you see, the, pro, the problem is the last time they did step in was the Frank McCourt situation out in Los Angeles when they forced him mm-hmm. to sell the Dodgers. But – they had found that there was so much impropriety right. in the way that they handled their finances that they that they were using Dodger money right. to buy homes in you know Rome and Jamaica wherever they owned a home the Dodgers were paying for that home and that's not the bylaws of MLB that's not the way your finances are run I understood know?
0: yeah um, so. Dave wants to know. Uh, Glenn, agree with you about the Brady Angel or Brady Angelos, I, that, that was a Freudian slip, the Brady Anderson situation, by the way, Brady was close enough with Peter and, and Lou that perhaps you could have called him Brady Angelos, yep. but wonder about some of the other folks that have been let go over the years, I feel like I'd like to know an answer about who it was that wanted Gary Thorne out, for example, if John was behind that, I feel like that would not play well in the court of public opinion and might sway people. I have no I've got to be honest with you I don't
1: know I'm just I don't know I have no idea um, you know look i like I like Gary Thorne as a broadcaster. Gary Thorne is also a lawyer and I don't know exactly all that went down but i from what I heard they wanted him to they didn't want older broadcasters around because of the fears with COVID and older broadcasters just happened to make the most money. So I think they thought that Gary would kind of go along with things, and I think he tried to to argue that his contract called upon him mm-hmm. to be paid for this amount of money. And I think they got into a financial dispute. I don't think it was like the John Angelos came in one day and says, oh, you know, this gives me out, a chance right. to get, get rid of Gary Thorne. You know, I think Gary – sort of was the noisy wheel, and they just sort of said, hey, his contract's over after next season. Let's just not continue the relationship. All I would say, I'm not telling you... I I am
0: not necessarily saying that I'm siding with anything, right? right? Because this is clearly a problem that is far bigger than anything that I have the capacity for. My question is more, do I have faith in John Angelos as a leader of the Baltimore Orioles moving forward? And... I've said before, I'm, I'm trepidatious, of course. I think you have to be trepidatious about that. As As I've discussed with a lot of people, I'm willing to say that I don't blame John specifically for the mistakes that had been made previous to him being moved into the role of individual point person. I will not judge him by... The things that Peter had done, I will not choose to do that. But do I know that John Angelos is the man that can be the steward and the leader for a dynamic championship-contending baseball team? How would I possibly know that? I mean, how could I? How could I know that? We've never seen that. I I, I think I like Mike Elias, right? Like, I think I do. I mean, there's still some things that, he's, that have to be proven with that, but I think I like Mike Elias. I think... That was a good hire. I think I like Sigmidel. I like I think there are things that were good things. I, I certainly like finally getting an app. I certainly like final you know, like there are things that have been promising over the years. There are things that I would say, no, of course I don't like that. There's no justification of that, whatever it is. Um but ultimately, if John's going to be the guy moving forward, I don't know. I haven't there's nothing that's occurred yet that would make me say John can't be an effective leader and owner and steward of a franchise moving forward. I, I like everybody else, would like there to be – I would like to put aside, assuage everyone's – even if they're pointless or baseless fears, I would like for there to be a lease. I would. I would like for that to exist so that we can stop with the nonsense, so we can stop with all of that and not have to talk about it, deal with it. Even even let idiots discuss it on social media. I would like that. that. That still lingers a little bit when we have these conversations. But, you know, that's sort of where I am with that. Yeah,
1: I, I have a great deal of confidence that John can, can do all the things that, uh, that need to be done to, to run this franchise in, in an appropriate manner. What speaks of the problems are this, this lawsuit. You know, mm-hmm. it just the its very existence well, is, it, is messy.
0: And this is um, this is a fair question from Aaron. Aaron says, Does this lawsuit mean that the, the that John Angelos can't spend any money because he's being sued and that's being tied up? If this thing drags on into the offseason, do we know that the Orioles won't be able to spend money on any players?
1: I, I Well we touch on that in, in the Bowden interview. You know, that's what I I've maintained for a long time. That I think the family is hamstrung by the fact that they don't have in addition to the fact they've had to put a gigantic number aside to pay the nationals mm-hmm. uh, in a settlement of that lawsuit um, that that they have not had access to Peter's uh checkbook you know I think uh you know. That's, and that's a big. I mean, problem. I've heard t- I've right. heard tale of people that have gotten hold of a parent's checkbook when they became incapacitated or died, right. and wrote checks that shouldn't have been written. You know, hundred uh, percent. So, um, what I will say is, most people. It's funny, and I certainly don't know tax law that well, mm, but well, I've talked really, to, but yeah. I have talked to a couple people, and the the thing is, when Peter passes, mm-hmm. that is not the. The obstacle to, to John Lewis and Georgia retaining ownership of the Baltimore Orioles because the club will pass to Georgia, and in that case, there are not tax ramifications when a spouse takes over. It's it's, it's when she would correct. pass that that the the issues would trigger gigantic uh, inheritance taxes. inheritance taxes. Yeah, yes. and so that would be, and again. I do not know the impact that Trump's tax – you know, Trump changed Mm -hmm. some of the tax law Mm -hmm. for estate uh, taxes, um, inheritance taxes. So I don't know the impact of those things. But I would say that the Orioles, in my opinion, uh, even though I side with John making it through this – I would say in the next five years they're probably in different hands
0: you come the word you use at the top of the show is sad right
1: yeah, yeah. and and I, I want
0: to go back to that for a second because is it is it sad because you're watching a family dispute or is it sad because of the impact that it's having on fans yeah
1: yeah I think it's sad for both for both for both parties you know if you call the fans mm-hmm. a party. I think it's very sad that their baseball team that they care so much about passionately has this infight going on that could potentially impact yeah. the ability to do th- to do things, you know. I
0: I think there's no way around that. Yeah. That, that. That that every time you want to feel an amount of hope. And I feel like the last couple of weeks while the Grayson Rodriguez injury certainly Yeah, it it hurt. There's 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 no doubt about it. This day, I just had this really wonderful conversation with Peter Gammons the other day, and Peter's just going on about how much hope he feels, how the arrival of Adley Rutschman and sort of seeing things start to move into place, and how competitive they've been this season, and how good the bullpen is, and that maybe it's proof about their development. Light is there. There's been so much hope that has come with it. Not, and we said all along, we're not overvaluing that we're not saying that means they're a contender or that they're a sure thing to be able to win a world series in the next five years but it's it's light after what has been a very dark few years post 2016 so that feeling we're allowing casual fans to sort of feel an amount of hey something might be brewing here th- right. th- it might be And it's almost
1: like that's been snatched away. The moment you
0: start to feel that hope, someone comes and punches you in your head and says, how dare you? How dare you feel an amount of hope? Anything remotely positive towards the Orioles, understand it's always going to be draining. It's always going to suck the life out of you. Being an Orioles fan, how dare you try to feel any amount of positivity towards this. And that's the crushing part yeah. to me. The crushing part is it comes at a moment where it felt like,
1: it's however you, whatever phrase you want to use, they were turning the corner, they were, whatever you know, it is. It's just funny. I think back to the fact uh, it was the summer of 1993 that D'Angelo's family ended up Bu- yeah. buying the mm-hmm. Baltimore Orioles. So that's 29 years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining that Lewis was about 24, around there, yeah, exactly right. And John was 26, Mm -hmm. 27. I would say that John and Lewis were probably the ones as older children. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I say older, I don't mean they were were, were they're adult children that were tugging at daddy's things right. about how cool this would be yeah. to own the This, is, this is what we do. This Dad, gets to be our be, yeah, our life a, now. This right. is our thing, you know. 100%. And I know the whole history of Georgia Angelos. Georgia's maiden name was Casaurus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lou Casaurus is her brother. Uh, the Casaurus family, this is when I was 7, 8, 12 years old, 14 years old, at Memorial Stadium, there was a little white truck that was like the good humor truck, but it would have been the first food truck of, you know, of the 20th century. Wow. wow. And it, was, it had a little sign that said Casaurus, you know, on it. And Georgia worked on that truck when she was 10, 12 years old at the Oriole Games. And when the game would start, Georgia would go into the ballpark. You know, her brother was on the truck. Maybe her father, but that's how big a deal it was for her to be the owner wow. of the Baltimore Orioles. Wow! You know, I so. didn't.
0: I did not know that story. Yeah, yeah, wow! Yeah, boy, and it's
1: an incredible story. And for that, you know, uh, and believe me, I've been through the ringer with uh, the Angela's family because I was so critical of mm-hmm. Peter and Lou took it. Quite a bit of exception to the fact that I was critical of his dad, and always pointed to me and said, "Why can't you see that this is this local story that's so positive, you know?" And I'd say, "Because my baseball team is being screwed up. Correct? It's not being run right. Like you can't you know? get around that." And and now at this this pivotal moment in the history of the franchise, I'm sad because it was such a great local story, 100- you know. And it or it, it should have been, it, been it. Yes. And it's gotten, it's gotten forever, you know.
0: I, you know The other thing too had somebody. Uh, so I think we're all aware of what's going on with Dan Snyder and the the Washington Commanders, <laughs> um, who now literally have been told by both DC and Virginia, get bent. We right. won't have you here. Right. I guess Larry Ogan is still willing to offer some amount of money on the table for them right. to remain in Maryland for right. a new stadium, but. Like, he's, he's certainly not going to sweeten the pot. Um, he said, like, look, whatever's there is there. If they want to take it, they can. Um, and I, somebody who works in radio in D.C., who was no, by no means trying to, like, be an apologist for Dance Snyder or something like that, said, hey, you guys are all cheering this, but are you going to cheer for it when it leads to him just deciding to move the team to Portland? Are you going to cheer for it when it decides to him saying, I can get a better deal in Salt Lake City? I can get a better deal wherever it is? And I understood what he was trying to say, but it's. It doesn't mean that we stop being critical. It doesn't. There's a. There's a reason why someone is so despised. Dan Snyder. And I'm not trying to compare. Dan Snyder is one of the most vile individuals that has ever lived. Oh, hard, right. Like hard. he is a just a truly horrendous human being. Um, we thought he was just a bad football owner. No. As it turns out, he is a awful awful human, human being yeah like there's no getting around that but
1: worse, it, much worse than griffin
0: well i mean griffin's i've, I've heard some things i've heard some, I've heard some yeah, things yeah, over at towson um just, uh, uh and 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 look i peter angelos was not a good baseball owner but peter angelos is a philanthropist and has done a lot of good things for a lot of people in town he's not been a good baseball owner i can't compare him to dan snyder because dan snyder we now know correctly. is a bad human is a really terrible person not a bad football owner an awful wretched human being but still that that does not (laughs) escape from criticism like the idea that like you have to live in fear well you better not say anything negative about him because he might end up moving the team somewhere else like it doesn't work that way like you have to be willing to say as you once upon a time had to say look this this isn't okay yeah this this isn't all right. We have to be able to say those things without living in fear. I have never feared the Orioles moving. It's been – and people far more intelligent than me have said, you know, like it's just never – it will never be allowed to happen. Baseball right. will never allow for a monumental stadium that exists. They'll let the Rays move. They'll let the athletics move. If they want to. From
1: two shitholes. Correct.
0: Because there's nothing there. Because baseball has nothing to hold up. Baseball's not going to allow for the team that plays there in a good situation to be moved. There have been other arguments made that, like, you know, okay, but what? It's just that's. I will stand by enough intelligent people have made that abundantly clear to me that I've never, and combined with no actual threat with nothing more than nonsense speculation that's been thrown or bandied about for years tied to the fact that John Angelos has connections in Nashville. And as you and I have talked about before, he also has connections in Saratoga. It's really weird that we just decide, Hey, if somebody has got some property somewhere, then we think they're just going to try to move them. Now I get it. Nashville has been very aggressive in recent years trying to get baseball. They've created a group that's trying to land a baseball team in Nashville somehow, some way.
1: Um, I, I, the, fir- the first thing you'd do if you were doing that was not to own a house under your name. You
0: right. Know, you would have right. a company name. Correct. Or something, something along like those lines. Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly right, yeah. because that's the way you're trying yeah. to go. Yeah. Today's show also brought to you by – oh, this one's brought to you by the print issue of PressBox. Uh, you know what, Stan? Do you want to make a – next week is going to be the new print issue of PressBox, hitting newsstands. Yeah. The, Do we uh, want to talk about it? Why don't
1: you go ahead? The, well, let's. Go, let's the,
0: this is the final week for you to get this one. Yep. Adley Rutschman on the cover. Great story from Luke Jackson all about Adley's passion for catching and for baseball and why it was that immediately he was not going to be viewed as any – any old rookie, that he was immediately expected to become a leader for this baseball team on day one. Remarkable story from Luke Jackson in that issue. We got one last week in order to get it. Yep. Next week, I don't remember exactly what day it is. is it's going to come out Wednesday, Wednesday. the 15th. Wednesday or the actually, 15th. Yep. Stan's going to be running all over town getting you the new print issue of PressBox. And on the cover of that issue, you will find
2: John, Coach ha- John, Harbaugh. John, Harbaugh. John Harbaugh. Now,
0: it's a very unique John is going into
1: his 15th year. I heard that uh, there's a lawsuit between
2: no, John no,
0: and not. Jim, well,
1: Jim Harbaugh.
0: By yeah. the way, if I was John, I don't know if you ever read the legendary <laughs> Peter King story of them playing basketball in the driveway after yeah. the Super Bowl. Is one of my favorite stories of all time. <laughs> John and Jim are playing basketball with the family. Like There's a, a Harbaugh family basketball game going on, and Jim's team wins. And Jim says, ah, it's great to win. I love winning. John, you ever won anything? (laughs) (laughs) It's one of my favorite stories ever. Um, So John's on the cover as he's going into his 15th year as the head coach of the Ravens. But it's not uniquely, the issue is not uniquely centered around John. It's our first ever coaches issue. It's our first ever issue of PressBox celebrating coaches. And that list includes other coaches who are coming up on milestones or have surpassed milestones or... You know, who have recently retired. Uh, also inside, we honor Kenny Amatololo, who's going into his 15th year as the head coach at Navy. Um, uh, Janine Tucker, who just retired as the legendary head coach of the women's lacrosse team at Johns Hopkins. Pat Clatchy, who I believe just became the all-time leader in games coached in the Catholic League. Um, an extraordinary uh, Lou Eckrell, of course, who just stepped aside as the legendary baseball coach at Calvert Hall. From the pro, college, and high school levels, men's and women's, this issue recognizes the area's legendary coaches and coaches coming up on milestones. And I think it's something that we're going to look to do kind of moving forward. I think the coaches issue is going to become kind of a staple for us um, in future years here at PressBox. So we're excited about that. And what we did is we allowed some of the players that cared the most and the deepest about these coaches to, to tell stories in their own words, um, we stepped aside, and like I'll I'll tell you that um, for John Harbaugh, uh, Sam Cook, and Zach Orr, and but you made this happen. You well some you of it. I mean, in. like some of it, and 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 Luke was Luke jumped involved. In and did some and, yeah, we yeah. we. But what we did, we kind of just got out of the way. Uh, yeah. Brandon Iandidejo is one, and Ray Rice is one. Guys who have had unique relationships. Not the most famous players, necessarily. although in some, like I, I'll tell you, Kenny and Montalolo's were Malcolm Perry and Keenan Reynolds, so I would assume are probably the two most famous mm-hmm. players that he's had. But we, were, we reached out and we said, hey, who are the guys whose relationships were really unique, or gals whose relationships were really unique with this coach? That's who we want to talk to, not just necessarily the famous or the biggest star players that the coach coached. And so we ended up with this really neat print issue that came out of it of these unique relationships. Why? Why has, in an era where coaches don't last 15 years, why has John Harbaugh been able to do it? What has made him special? How has he stood the test of time? as football has evolved? How has he evolved with it? Those were the things we wanted to know, and we got some really um, thoughtful Impactful answers about those questions. We're excited about you guys diving into the coaches issue, which hits newsstands next week. Mm-hmm. Um Jim Bowden's still to come this hour. Uh I have a bit of a conundrum that I want to run by you, Stan the Fan. I want to have some fun with this. Okay.
1: I have been asked Well, I'm Mr. Fun.
0: I've been asked to be a part of a sexy calendar for charity. And I agreed to do it. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Oh, what, are yeah. You trying, what are you trying to say? Yeah. yeah.
0: What are you trying to say, yeah. Stan the Fan, Charles? That is
1: funny. That is funny. Wait, hey, wait, 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 wait. Who are wait, some wait. of the other people well, involved in it? Hang on, in? hang on. Larry, Moe, and Curly? <laughs> there has been,
0: to kick off, this charity sexy calendar. Right. Are you trying to recruit Stan? No. I, well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe. we are We are hosting a car wash. Okay. I have been asked to dress sexy for the car wash. I'm going to run by you, a a friend of mine. Potential outfits? Yeah, and you tell me what you- There's
1: only one. It's Speedos. All right, all right. Let's let's
0: leopard print. I'll show it to you. I'll show it to you. We'll talk about it when we come back in. All right. All right? All right. That's next. It's a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Stan the Fan Charles is here.
3: Hey, Birdland families, this Father's Day, join the O's in celebrating Dad at the yard as they take on the Tampa Bay Rays Sunday, June 19th at 1.35. Go above and beyond by treating Dad to a fun-filled day with the entire family. Make sure to get to the ballpark early because the first 10,000 fans, ages 15 and over, will receive an Orioles golf visor. Dad's Day done right this year with the O's. Don't wait until the last minute when planning Father's Day. Secure your tickets now at Orioles.com slash tickets.
0: Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number no. two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill,
5: glorydaysgrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together, we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at YouTube.com slash Online and Facebook.com slash PressBox. Sports, or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. So join us live on the bat every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at PressBox Sports.
0: The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out BuyAToyota.com for
5: deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. It's statistically proven that the show sounds better if you're not wearing pants, like me. Right now, you're listening to Glenn Clark Radio.
0: And Stan the Fan Charles has joined us in studio here on a Friday edition of the program, Simply the Bets, every Tuesday morning at 11.40 a.m. It's brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. We try to get you ready for the week in sports betting. Try to offer a few uh, uh, juicy winners. Aaron Oster had a good week this week. Both told you to bet the under on Keegan Thompson. I still can't believe that hit. Keegan Thompson, who gave up seven runs, he said bet the under on him allowing five and a half hits. He gave up seven runs on five hits. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, that is, that that's is, unbelievable. That's an unbelievable win. That's a good get. That is an incredible, incredible win. He also told you to bet the over on one is, and a half.
1: What is Scott Van Pelt, the uh, bad, bad, bad beats? Bad beats, yeah. Bad, bad this beats is, this is, is a good great,
0: win. Yeah, great yeah. win. And uh, he also said bet the over on Robert Williams one and one-and-a-half blocks in game three of the NBA Finals, and he got four, in fact, in that game. So a good week for you to have made some money if you've been listening to Aaron on Simply the Bets this you week. I
1: want to say hello to a uh, listener of the yes? Glenn Clark Show, Josh Charles. Oh,
0: nice I, I love Josh so yeah. much. So, Josh, I don't know if you if you saw this thing because I think it might have been when you were in the throes of your uh, COVID uh, event. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Steka lost our picks contest last season. And so Stecca literally had to fly all the way back to Baltimore from Arizona in order to pay off his penance. Which involved him getting his back waxed right here in in this studio. Oh, he had to
1: do it here in this he studio. He had to come in
0: studio for for show well, he's content. He just
1: stand up. Oh, if he
0: loses, he's going yeah. to. It's the second time he's lost his the picks contest, well, and he's flown well, back from he, Arizona. What did he do the previous time? Uh the previous Oh God! Oh, he had to do shots of tuna fish and sardine juice oh. off an ice luge that we set up here. Oh my God! Yeah, I mean it was it was truly grotesque. I still. And inevitably what happens whenever you do one of these shows. Have
1: you ever lost one of these? I've
0: things? lost a few of these over the years. I remember I had to eat bull testicles one time. I had to, like we've we've all had our share of losing. By the way, Griffin, this is what you signed up for. There's going to be future bets. I know. I'm really thinking. So. Yeah, this is this is the way it's going to go. So Josh just so happened to tune in the morning that um, we were waxing Andrew Steck is back. He just decided <laughs> yeah. to log on that morning <laughs> and he was like the hell am I watching? <laughs> I love you, Josh. I, I always read, appreciate you. I read,
1: you. Yeah, I'm, right now, what do I have up on my computer right now? You had, AOL. Yes. The stories. So I'm fishing through the stories. This is about two years ago. And I read a story about a guy who ate like a small lizard. What? You know, he was put up. They were, it was a rugby team like in New Zealand or something like a and and at the, they said he he said what if i ate this or something they and all of his buddies chanted yeah, go come on you coward and he ended up eating it ah, it ended up ah. it ended up infecting him oh, jesus in a Christ. way oh.
2: jesus
1: yeah yeah
0: that's not okay let's not we're not going to do that although we did have Steka eat a tarantula Oh. It was not
1: live. It was a. It was a, a, a freeze dried. Okay. You know, it was like a, sort of like the Mariners with the grasshopper. With the grass,
0: which I also had to remember. Once upon a time, I one of the bets that I lost required me to eat a bowl of yeah. of grasshoppers. This was one, one of morning. the
1: saddest stories. This guy. That's was, terrible. That's truly awful. Let's yeah, let's not yeah, let's yeah. not let's so not Don, do that. What I was doing was warning you in the future. Don't ever think it's funny to you know. Like a yes, we're not. We're not.
0: We're not going to do that. We're not. Although, what, do you remember there was a book called How to Eat Fried Worms? It was a children's book. They turned it into a movie years ago. We no, had to I do read it. Remember. We had to read it in like third grade. And
1: I don't know. This is back back in the days before they banned books. Yes,
0: before they banned books. Yes. Um, and I remember one of the kids in the class. His name was Billy Wallace, and he was a bit of the class clown type. And Billy suggested to our third grade teacher could we get extra credit if we ate worms? Because the story was there was a bet and these two boys ate fried worms every day for 30 days.
2: Ugh.
0: And I don't, I don't remember what the moral of the story was. I don't remember why like, this turned into a children's book and why we read it in school. But Billy said, would we get extra credit if we ate fried worms? And for some stupid reason, this third grade teacher played along with it and was mm. like, "If I tell you what, if you can get your your parents to a, sign a permission slip, we'll let you do it. Well, I tell you what happened. Every single boy in the class, because we were third grade boys, right. went home and, and got, got our. And this right. is a different time. Like parents were a little a little bit more willing in whatever year this
1: would have been. But the worms would be dead. They would. They would be dead. dead. Yes, yeah, they, they would f- be
0: dead, and we would fr- like. Yeah. So every boy in the class went back and said, "Would you be willing to sign this thing for us to get extra credit for eating some worms in the school?" And like right. they all knew we. We sat around and played in the dirt all summer long. We probably ate a lot of worms during the course of an average summer. So they all said yes. They all agreed to it. None of the girls None went the home first, right. and
1: asked. can't understand oh. why.
0: It was, it was 13 for 13 on the boys and 0 for 13 on the girls. <laughs> and so she decided we weren't going to do that. She just agreed to give us all extra credit instead. And then it, it was a whole thing. Um, all right. So, so let's I am, get back to yeah, this. Uh, I have uh, agreed. Our friends at KNS Automotive right. do a sexy calendar every year. It's called the Boys of Hamden. And it's sort of ironic. It's not necessarily. It's,
1: Especially because you're moving out of Hamden. Well, there's an
0: irony to that, too. But it's not necessarily the most attractive gentlemen that end up in this calendar. This was. I am the new Mr. September. This was a previous Mister September, as you can tell, probably not your traditional pinup model, who uh, was appearing in this calendar. What's he holding there? A I believe beer, that's a beer, beer keg, yes, uh, I okay. from the Waverly Brewery. Right. Uh, in fact, right. um, you know, some of the gentlemen are actually you know in, in very good shape, and
1: the, this this uh, you're this, in good shape. This
0: gentleman leaning over a pool table, Mister October here.
1: Uh-huh. he seems to be an attractive gent, right? So Not Mr. October. He's Mr. October, <laughs> right? Right? You went right for it. Yep. You
0: went right for
1: it. I couldn't. It was so low-hanging. Right it was it. so low-hanging.
0: Um, so I said yes. I, I found out that this is going to benefit um, the Hamden Family Center, a wonderful charity they here are locally. a wonderful
1: family center. I, yep. I
0: said, absolutely, you got it. If, if I can help out with that, I'm totally willing to do it. And I would think that even if this – Whatever this sexy picture of me ends up on the internet, I'd like to think that people would say, hey, he was doing a good thing for charity reasons. It wouldn't impact me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So they say, hey, we want to kick off the boys of Hamden this year by hosting a car wash at k right here at Falls Road, 3939 Falls Road, on June 25th from uh, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Um, in order to sort of kick it off for Is the year. Is that a year. Saturday? It's a Saturday. Fifteen dollars uh, to get your car washed by it's very good. the Boys of Hamden. Okay, so we'd like to, you know, make it a kind of a sexy car wash, right? And so I said, all right, well, yeah. Now is I'm, that
1: where your picture will be taken?
0: No, that that there will be a there'll be a photo shoot in August. Okay. This is just to sort of raise some money and. Bring back the Boys of Hamden concept.
1: And are all the photos taken over there or at a place of your choosing?
0: I believe they have a studio that they use for uh-huh. the photo shoot. I okay. believe that's the case. Okay. So I say, Well, I I wanna play along. I wanna be a good sport about this. Of I wanna you do. I wanna be that guy. <clears throat> I start searching, you threw out the idea, I go to the interwebs and I say, Yeah, let me find a speedo. Let me that's what this is about, right? right? So, I did order a speedo.
1: <laughs> Do you, you get to choose the month? By the way, uh, I I was assigned September, neg-
0: but I think that was because my birthday is in okay, September. Okay. I think that was the reason okay. why I was assigned September. Right.
1: So, so you're about to show me. You something. you
0: tell me if you think this could prove to be problematic in any way, because I've uh, it's already on the way to my house. Do you right. think that would prove to be? A problematic. I love it. I love it. love it. yeah. I love so it. for those that don't see, uh, it is. It's a nice red speedo, and um, right in a in the frontal area. See that would be really perfect for me. That you're saying, I'm that known as Mr. Mr. Cocktober. Mr. That's what you're no, known Mr. Hot
2: Dog. <laughs> Mr.
1: Hot Dog. Mr. Hot Dog.
0: That's actually a good point. <laughs> if you do know, Stan. Stan loves a good wiener. That's I a. That's love a love n- a good wiener. It's a thing that people know about Stan. Yeah. There is mm-hmm. a. Uh, there is a. A ballpark Frank. Right where where my Frank.
1: How do we know it's a ballpark?
0: Well, that looks like. I think that looks like a ballpark, Frank, to me, uh, Stan. So I, you know, I I work for a a Jesuit school at at Loyola. Right. I have a a professional job. I'm on staff at Stevenson. Right. I'm. I'm, I get other. I'm in the running for a significant job at the moment. Um, Do you think I've anything to worry about if I wear this speedo? to the boys of Hamden Car Wash? Or do you think if that were to come up and they were to ask me a question, I would be able to explain this was a charity event and, and they think, would be uh, under? I
1: think you're in very dangerous water. Oh, no, right no. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I, right. I think you're in good shape. I am a little bit nervous about no, it. Like I, I am, a, a bit, without
0: context, someone just saying, hey, have you just seen... Just get a lot of soap on it.
1: When just the, keep the, it when nice clay, and soapy you, when people soapy. are
0: snapping photos know, of yeah. this. Um, I would ask that you consider coming out and uh, letting the boys of Hamden wash a car on Saturday, June 25th, to help us raise money for the Hamden Family Center. I
1: think Jane and I are gonna probably try to be there. I am.
0: I'll be there. I will. I will take. I will personally buff and wax every. Every nook and cranny. Don't, uh,
1: don't uh, come on. They're not going to wax cars. I don't think.
0: I don't think we're, don't think yeah, we're waxing right, cars. Right. I don't think that's right. part of this. It's but a car wash. Yeah, it's, it's a car, car wash. wash. It's exactly that's what it is. It's a Good price for a car. And I, uh, I will happily, uh, in my hot dog speedo, I will happily take care of uh, all of those needs. Will for Dave be there? Car. I assume. Yeah. I have to. I know Dave's so Dave had. Dave might have. Some Dave's had some health problem. issues recently too. Um, but I, I think. Okay. I think Dave will be okay. We he'll have the
1: compound there, so they'll. To spot some oh yeah one hundred yeah, percent right little little nick when or something yeah. yeah
0: right we'll take care of that we'll take care of I'm that always
1: amazed at how compound does that. it is amazing isn't it yeah. it's
0: truly remarkable yeah. truly remarkable uh, all right stand the fan from uh, this is from Ryan Ryan says Glenn appreciate um, the conversation you guys are having this morning about the Orioles situation I guess here's my question ultimately if the Orioles are going to inevitably be sold. Will there be assurances that they will be sold to someone who will keep them local no matter what? Will Major League Baseball prioritize that? And the secondary part is, are they more appealing coming on the other side of a rebuild, or would they be more appealing if they already had players locked up under contract for a potential buyer? I'm not really sure about that part of that. Are they more appealing if they're in the middle of Rebo? Well,
1: generally, generally, th- when you're selling something, you, you try to strip it down. Pay, you strip it down. Yeah. You know? So, um, but, but but having said that, I think a team is much more much more valuable when it's a good team on the field. Right. That's what know.
0: I would like, and I would say, I guess, if the question is, and maybe I can stretch this out, if the question is are they more valuable if say they lock up Adley Rutschman ahead of time if they buy out the arbitration years if there's a he's there's a 10 year deal which you know it seems crazy but like that there's a known centerpiece commodity that exists that is going to be there for some time does that make them more appealing i guess my answer would be i, I there's I, only 30 major league baseball teams right
1: i i think what makes them more appealing is if mike elias is is as successful in an ongoing fashion over the next 2 or 3 years and whomever comes in and is assessing the value of the franchise, and, they, and he hires his, let's say it's Dave Dombrowski mm-hmm. as his baseball expert, and Dombrowski says, hey, hey, Glenn Clark, you got that big job five years ago. Right. Now you got the money to buy this franchise. This team has an incredible farm system. Mm-hmm. That, to me, has a real value to it, more so than even locking up the major league players.
0: Um, not, I don't know that I necessarily, but again, I, I do think, and I've talked about this a couple of times, I do think
1: the side of this
0: with locking up your own guys, Saying, I say. I say well, how many guys are you talking I about? Right now, they're, we're talking about one, frankly, right? right? right. Like, I guess somebody would make an argument that maybe Austin Hayes has earned a contract, right? And we can have a conversation about that, but, you know, I, that's, that's a secondary, it, it's certainly, Adley Rutschman's the one. Mm-hmm. And I said a couple weeks ago, and I get it. This maybe people don't feel quite as hot about this because of his early struggles, but I'm not willing to. I'm not willing to entertain that too much. I said then that for as exciting as Adley Rutschman's first game was, mitigated by the circumstances, but for as exciting as it was, I think the response to doing a deal with Adley Rutschman, buying out arbitration mm. years, would be even more electric. Would do even more for this fan base. Than just him being caught up and playing his first game, showing a commitment to we're keeping we we we're doing something here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We've got a plan, and we're intending for it to be real and for it to matter. Would go even further than just Adley Rutschman getting here, because Adley Rutschman getting here, there will always be someone who has become so dejected and and so disenfranchised by the struggles of the Orioles they're just going to say well this is just going to be like Machado all over again he'll be here for a couple of years and then he's going to go you know he'll be a Yankee in in five years or whatever it's going to be there always be that Jim and Sparrows point who feels that way mm-hmm. but doing something like that would what is the pushback to it everybody in in the city would say holy crap this is far different than anything this franchise has ever done before this matters this is real they're they're doing something so whether or not it's the right thing to do i don't know i mean that's a completely different conversation i just genuinely believe that it would give a jolt to a fan base unlike anything else they could do right now interesting Interesting.
6: now say like if the team were to hit like the open market i guess is there an owner that you would like to see by the orioles
0: I, I, I haven't spent a second thinking um, about yeah. that. I mean, I have no... no like Steve Bashotti. No, no I, I, believe, I believe there's still a rule that you can't own two teams. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Within, for yeah. antitrust reasons. I believe... Although, I mean, look, Ted Leonsis owns the Wizards and the... There's, I, I, I don't remember
1: what the I rule... I think it's the baseball and the football. It's specifically uh, baseball th- and football. I think, football. It's, I think that's, that's what it is. I, I, now, I, for I, a time, Hazenga owned the Dolphins and the, and the Marlins. Marlins. But I'm the, not sure.
0: The, also, Steve Bashotti is not that <laughs> type of wealthy. He's just not. He's not. Like, he's very wealthy. Don't get me wrong. Steve Bashotti is extraordinarily wealthy. He's not Stan Kroenke wealthy. He's he's wealthy by any of our standards. He's unbelievably wealthy. Yeah. But he's not that level of wealthy, too.
1: Um, these pra- The prices of these franchises. It's insane. Are just it's, uh,
0: and that's crazy. what I come back to. Like it, yeah. Whatever the situation is with the Orioles, there's only so many of these teams available. Yeah. And they have all proven, no matter how many times the owners try to say we're not profitable, the facts spit in the face of that. Yeah. Every time one of these teams gets sold, it's for an extraordinary amount more than what it is they bought them for.
1: I, I think what would be a more electrifying moment for the club right now would mm-hmm. be to sign Trey Mance and a, and a more sensible baseball move. Would be to sign Trey. I, I think the sensible four, baseball move. I, I for can, a four right. or five year deal. Right.
0: Something in the neighborhood of fifty million dollars. Yeah. Right. Probably,
1: like, probably four years, fifty-five, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's having a really he's nice having a great year. season. Yeah. He's, he's having, having a really nice. And obviously, the last month he's been in yeah. s- insane. And I maintain that as much as every player has the right to get exactly what they the most they can get, I don't think he is a greedy type of person that would be saying no i think i can get seven for 79 or or i mean seven for 105 million i think 455 i think he signs it
0: um i i also just don't know how robust the market i keep this is the thing i keep saying we'll talk about this again with the jim Bowden in a second yeah not just the trade market for Trey Mancini. I just don't know how robust the free agent market is for Trey Mancini. As they keep saying, the more I talk to people, the more I get back the but same again, thing. But
1: again, hear my price. Right. Four for 55. That's one... It's like fourteen, fifteen million a year. Well, I, I, I hear, you. I just, I don't think that's an outrageous amount for Trey Mancini. No, I don't think it's an outrageous amount for Trey Mancini. <laughs> it's I, less than fifteen million,
0: by the I, way. I, I just, my gut kind of tells me I don't think he's doing. I, I
1: just don't think. You he's, think if he's on the free agent market, he can't get more. I
0: than think that. he's a guy that ends up. I almost think he's a guy that ends up taking a one year deal. I, I just, I okay. don't, I don't see a robust market for Trey Mancini because, and again. Do you see all a robust, it is, Just curious, All it takes is one team.
1: Do you see a more robust market for Ryan Mountcastle?
0: Um, boy, that's a good question, Stan. At the I mean, moment, to me they're kind of the same. They, and at the moment, the the benefit of Mountcastle is he's li- younger, y- younger, younger, right? Yep. So yep. yes, I would think there would be a more robust market, but they have the same problem. They're positionless, right? right? And that's where I always, when we talk about Santander, I always say, well, Santander Santander has actually proven he can play a position. Mm-hmm. He's a plus. His arm is an extraordinary plus. Um, his, his range is just mildly a plus, right? But he can play a position. Trey Mancini, you're throwing him out there ad- admitting <coughs> he's not really an outfielder, but... If we right. have to, that's what we'll do. Right. Anthony Santander has proven he can play right
1: field. He can See, be I think I think Trey's market price has probably gone up the fact that uh, you've gone from fifteen DHs to thirty DHs.
0: It, it's certain there's no question yeah. that it helps. Yeah. But I guess what we haven't learned yet is are teams willing to spend money specifically for that guy? Like yeah. is, does that create do they treat the position that way versus just saying, hey, whoever we have will be our DH. We, ha- mm. we, just, we don't have enough evidence yet. It might very well be that that's yeah. exactly how teams treat the position moving forward, but we don't have the evidence yet of teams saying we're going to spend with DH in mind versus saying, hey, DH will be whoever the guy is right. that we already have will just DH for the night. We just don't, we don't, we don't know that definitively just yet. Um, we will find out. Yep. Like we will find out. Obviously, is that's going to be the way that things go moving forward. Uh, all right, and I apologize. Paul has been chiming in. Yes, we've been Paul. We've been addressing the lawsuit all morning. I, 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 I don't know. I have no clue what it is. I, I don't know if it's someone that you know. Do you know Paul Bellatier? Is that someone you know?
1: Not off. All right.
0: All right. All right. So I got. I got well,
1: what does he say? I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, have you
0: guys addressed the bombshell lawsuit yet? Well, that's basically all we talked yeah. about all morning, Paul. All right. Pretty much in that lawsuit uh, filing the uh, address, they address pretty much every issue that I, I don't know what word you think, villa did and brought up, and it's pretty clear that the ownership wants to move the team to Tennessee. No, that's definitely not something that comes up. Paul, maybe you're a very smart person. Maybe you know something that the rest of us don't, but there is nothing in the lawsuit <laughs> No matter how bombastic that line is, there is literally no evidence in the lawsuit of John Angelos wanting to move the team to Tennessee. I get it. We are Zero. all, all marks. We are all rubes. And when anything electric is read, we react very strongly to it instead of putting it under the smallest amount of scrutiny to see if it holds up. The smallest amount of scrutiny to that last night is, was well, there anything that actually says that? Or did they just throw that line in to try to get you to react the way that you did? And, Paul, it appears as though you reacted the way that you wanted to Hook, react Hook, line, and it. sinker. Hook, line, yep. and sinker. Yep. Sounds like from that article, you guys truly owe me an apology, and I'm going to speak to Michael at the Maryland Stadium Authority next week regarding this. If he's the one that is going to have the ownership of the team, he's going to move the team. I, I, Paul, I don't know who you are, man. I, I just don't know who you are. I don't know what you think you've provided to me over the years. I have no but he's idea. Going to talk to Michael. Well, he's—I'm guessing that's Michael. Friends, I assume that's who he means by Michael because that's the you know mm-hmm. stadium authority. I assume that's that's who he's referring to. I, Paul, I have no idea. I have addressed this multiple times, even providing you an interview. I don't know who you are. I not don't know who you are. Not
1: ringing a bell.
0: I, Glenn Clark, have not heard from you. If you know something. Please, by all means, reach out to me. Tell me what it is that you know. Now, I'm going to put it under scrutiny. Give I'm me gonna, your
1: email address.
0: Uh, Glenn at press, PressBoxOnline.com. I'm a, I'm a, as Peter Angeles once said, I'm a very available person. Glenn at PressBoxOnline.com or pers- GlennClarkRadio at Gmail.com. You get my personal email. Reach out. Tell me what it is that you know, how you know it. I'm going to scrutinize it. I'm not just going to assume it to be fact. I'm going to scrutinize it. But if there's something there, we'll address it. If what you're trying to get me to do is react, I've already read the line from the article five times. Sam, we can read it again. If if if, if, if people don't get it, we'll. Ha- I'm happily going to read it again.
1: Again, this is the lawsuit brought by Luis Angelos against yes, this his is brother John and his mom. Reading Georgia.
0: from the Baltimore Banner, quote: John intends to maintain absolute control over the Orioles, to manage, to sell, or if he chooses to move to Tennessee where he has a home and where his wife's career is headquartered without having to answer to anyone, unquote. But if you keep reading, and I know we're not good at that, I understand. That is one of the problems that faces us in 2022 in America is we read tweets. We don't read what actually is out there. We we don't like information. We like information that fits our narrative. But if you keep reading... The following sentence in the story from... You ever heard of Justin Fenton? Pretty good reporter. Tim Prudente, also a pretty good reporter. While the lawsuit speculates that John Angelos might want to move the team, there are no allegations that he took any such steps. It's right there. You don't have to try that hard. You just don't want to. Bigger well problem. he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna provide us I know he's gonna he's gonna get us that all that information all right we had to do this as I mentioned we had to do this yesterday because of um, scheduling and so this interview will not discuss the lawsuits well not directly anyway actually ironically as I said before it almost kind of accidentally comes up at one point uh, but Stan and I had an opportunity to catch up with Jim Bowden uh, former MLB general manager now with CBS and serious xm and the athletic and it was a really great conversation let's take a listen right now well it's always a pleasure to catch up with our next guest of course a general manager in major league baseball turned a media mogul i have particularly (laughs) been reading a lot of his stuff recently at the athletic but you hear him all over the place he is the great jim Bowden, and he's back with us here on gcr jim it's glenn and stan in baltimore great to chat with you as always thank you for taking the time for
4: us Oh, Glenn and Stan, I love coming on your show. Love listening to your show, and thank you for having me back on.
0: Well, I want to start just because you, I, I am a draft. I'm draft obsessed. It's it's the way that I am. Is there any reason why it shouldn't be Drew Jones with the number one pick for the Baltimore Orioles?
4: Um, so I think Drew Jones and Jackson Holiday. I think it should be one of the two. Um, you know, so it's really hard when you look at these two players because I mean Drew Jones is elite. He's got all the tools that excite you. Uh, Incredible defensive player, has tremendous power. Um, I I have a hard time believing he's not going to be a star. Uh, But Jackson Holliday is going to hit, hit. Like, this kid can really swing the pole. Not a lot of risk with that bat. Um, Great instincts, great intelligence, like kind of off the charts. And I kind of compare these two guys to the draft that Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa were in, right? Where everybody said, take Buxton, take Buxton, take Buxton. And uh, Mike Elias and that group took Carlos Correa. uh, And Correa ended up being the better player. He was pretty good. Over over the time period, he was the better player between the two. Buxton has more tools, but Correa is the better player, and he's the one with the world championship ring. Um, So I kind of feel like you're not going to go wrong either way, to be honest. It, It really depends on... You know who you feel better about. I mean, I like Jones's overall package more, and I would take Jones. But I, I got to tell you, uh, Holiday's to me is a can't-miss bat. So uh, I won't be surprised if the Orioles go either way. Jim, I'm assuming
1: the Jones kid is is very similar to the player his dad was. How about Holiday? Is he is he sort of a left-handed version of
4: of Matt? A better defensive player. You know, I, 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 you know, he's a shortstop, so I, I'd say better defender. Uh, but, yeah, the bat, the bat to me, is, is similar. It's a really good stroke. Yeah. And he can hit high velocity, stays back well on breaking balls and change-ups. And, I mean, the bat's going to play. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt he's going to hit. He's going to have power. And more importantly, he's going to be a winning player, right? Mm-hmm. And he's one of those guys where whatever tools he doesn't have, it's gonna, he's going to have that Derek Jeter kind of leadership, swag that certainly will make up for anything else. I mean, I, again, I think both guys are can't miss guys and I don't think I don't think it could, could go wrong either direction you decided to go.
0: And of course, there is always the risk Jim when we talk about the Orioles in the draft that they want to cut a deal and they want to do something else, so they want to take specifically a college bat because that's what they've done with Mike Elias. It, would it be a mistake to go that route this year? Is the difference between the top guys, the Jones, the Holidays, and, say, a Brooks Lee that's from Cal question. Poly or Jacob Barry so significant that it would be a mistake for them to uniquely do that this year?
4: Yeah, I think it's a mistake. Other people will not say that, but you're asking my opinion. And so, yeah, I'm on your show, and clearly, to me, you take one of those two guys. Otherwise, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rip you. <laughs> and, and the thing that's great about a draft or having this conversation is we all get to look back you know, five or seven years later, whatever yeah. it is, to, to remind people what you could have done and what you didn't do and what you should have done. We always do that in every single draft. And certainly uh, I went through more scouting directors than George Steinbrenner I went through man- managers because I just couldn't stand the mistakes. And we'd always look back and go, man, we could have had this guy or that guy and we did this, and why did we do that? But when you're picking at the very top – and And you've got guys like Jones and Holiday that check all the boxes they check. I don't think that's the time to go off script.
0: Is, so what is Brooks Lee then? like what, wait, wait, how does he measure to those guys?
4: Oh, I don't think there's any question. look, any of those guys in the top 10, and I wrote about this in the athletic I, I think there's ten really good position players um, that could go yep. one to ten. There'll be a pitcher mixed in or not. I, I just think the difference, um, the difference is when you walk onto a field and you see the Harpers, the Machados, the Trouts, the Acunas, when you, uh, the Tatises. You know, when you see that level player, um, that's kind of the expectation is who's got the ceiling to be the absolute superstar? And there's a difference between a superstar and an all-star. So maybe I'll take Lee as an all-star and these other guys as a, as a superstar. It's fair.
0: That's fair. Jim Bowden from The Athletic and SiriusXM and CBS Sports HQ with us here on GCR.
1: Hey, Jim, I want to ask you about two guys that Mike Elias has taken over the past few years. One of them is young Gunnar Henderson, who's just, tw- I think, 20 right now and has just gotten the promotion up to AAA. And the other is a guy I saw that he drafted, uh, what's it called, over slot, uh, paid over slot was uh, Kobe Mayo. I uh, saw him a couple weeks ago and hitting a home run that was like a Mark McGuire type of home run. Could you talk a little
4: bit about those two players? I, I can talk about Henderson. I, I can't talk about the other guy because I haven't I haven't seen him um, in a couple years. Um, but I, I do like uh, Henderson because of the hit tool, right? Yeah. Um the kid's going to hit, yeah, and, and you know the one thing that I've always told people, the one thing that I learned the hard way during my years, is when you hit, you play, <laughs> and everything else will everything else will work out, but you've got to have the hit tool. I don't mean the power tool, the steel tool, or you've got to be able to hit, and when I cover teams every October when I'm covering all these World Series teams and playoff teams, the teams the, the tools that matter the most. To a player that I'm covering in World Series for position players is the hit tool one and the field tool. If you hit and you field, you got a chance to win championships because the, the, the glove will help the pitching staff win in run prevention. And if you can hit, well, the power can come or the speed can come and become usable. And you look at a guy like Henderson, I would be shocked, stunned if he's not a 300 hitter in the big league. Yeah.
2: yeah.
4: Absolutely stunned. And the power's going to come, too. It is. He's going to have 20 home run power in the big leagues and, or more. And he can steal bags. And so, you know, it's, he is my kind of player. I think he was a second-round pick like three years ago, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, but I, I love his left-handed bat. He's one I get goosebumps when I see him, to be honest.
1: Does he remind you of a, like a Chipper Jones type of player,
4: ultimately? I can't go that far. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Chipper's <laughs> so special to me yep. that I just, when I see a guy like that, I I never compare someone, you know, to that because Chipper was Chipper. But I see I see this kid as a guy that can win a batting title. I see mm, this wow. kid as a guy that can hit 20 to 25 home runs, and there's no risk with this guy. Yeah, This guy's going to hit. He's going to play. Uh, he's going to be a really good player for a long time. So uh, th- th- those, those are the kind of players that I like. I don't like risk,
2: <laughs> right?
4: <laughs> I like to be able to walk into a ballpark and see he's going to hit. Yeah, I can count it, on it. it sure. He's going to play. So I, I can't talk about the other guy. I haven't seen him, but I, I've seen a lot of Hunt, uh, Henderson.
0: Jim, I remember reading a couple weeks ago at The Athletic about how excited you were to see the Orioles now with Rutschman and Rodriguez on the way, and of course yeah. unfortunately not going to be the case with Rodriguez, uh, at least for a little while, and it's been a bit of a struggle for Rutschman. And I'm not trying to... Look, you know, it's very young in his career. There's plenty of time, but I, I do think it's worthy of having a conversation about what our expectations are for Adley Rutschman and whether maybe we had gotten a bit carried away in Baltimore, where once again, much like Matt Wieters years before him, we had anointed someone as, you know, some amalgamation of Mike Piazza and Pudge Rodriguez, and was it ever fair to treat any catcher as someone that could be an offensive centerpiece for your franchise for the next decade?
4: Uh, he will be. Um. And so he will live up to all the expectations you're talking about. He won't be Weeders. Um, he will, in three years, be the best catcher in our sport, all around, offensively, the whole package. He's that good. Now, the one thing I will remind people, and that they, that they don't, that people don't understand: Mike Trout hit 220 his first year in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Ken Griffey, uh, Barry Bonds at 220, first year in the big leagues. Uh, people forget that there is a big difference for rookies in 2022 than there was five years ago or 10 years ago. Because five years ago, 10 years ago, when a rookie came to the big leagues, we didn't know really how to pitch to him outside of what a minor league manager might have told us. And so we had to learn. So a lot of times rookies had great years, and then we were figuring out how to pitch to them. Then they, they would have what they call a sophomore jinx. They used to call it back then where the guy's second year, he'd struggle because people learned how to pitch to him, And then the third year, he'd figure it out again or, or not. But now what happens in 2022 when you get to the big leagues, we've seen all your at bats. There's no secrets anymore. I know exactly how to pitch to you. <laughs> and I got pitchers at this level, at the big league level, that you've never seen before. And I got pitchers that can execute pitches they couldn't execute uh, in a double-A AA, and triple-A. Mm-hmm. I got the best of the best here, and that's what you're facing. And I know your holes, and I'm going to expose you, and now you've got to adjust. So – you get your sophomore jinx year and your rookie year. I mean, look at, look at Bobby Witt's struggle the first mm-hmm. month of the season. Look at Spencer Torkelson's struggles in Detroit. I mean, you know, Jared Kalanick is still struggling in his second year. Um, it's tougher to be a rookie now than ever before because we're all prepared for you. There are no secrets. I don't have to learn about you. I've watched you since high school. I've watched every, every pitch that's been thrown at you in the minor leagues. I have video of it so I know exactly how I'm going to beat you. So that's hard. And then, and then for a young kid with those expectations, you think you're going to walk here and just do what you've done your whole life? You've never failed in your life. You were the best in the little league, the best in junior high, the best in high school, the best in college, the best in the minor leagues, and then you walk here. And you, you don't know what failure means. You never, so then you've got to deal with all that stuff. And then you're dealing with the, uh, the private jets, And you're dealing with the hotel suites and all the fans and all the expectations. And you got to deal with all that stuff. And, oh, by the way, you have money for the first time for a lot of these guys. So I'm making every excuse I can for Adley, and rightfully so. I can promise you in three years that all the expectations that Orioles fans have for this kid is going to play out. I promise you that.
1: All right. We'll be patient. I've got a question coming from from a Baltimore angle, Jim. It looks like uh, Michael Elias has really gotten the pipeline in in line now, and it's starting to be you turn it on, and there's going to be prospects. But other than Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall and Kyle Bradish, there's not a lot of pitching in this organization. I'm wondering if you see this year midseason Mancini and or Santander being able to be dealt to bring some type of near-ready uh, prospect arms to the to the Orioles? Because I don't know where the pitching is going to come from.
4: Yeah, it's going to come from trades or, or it's going to come from free agency. And all you got to do is, you know, the, the teams that are able to draft and develop
3: themselves are few and
4: far, yeah. far between. Yeah the, yeah, the Giants were able to do it back with bum Bumgarner, and Kane. But for the most part, when the Cubs won, they went out and traded or bought the pitching. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's that's the most upper-end day. So the whole reason that Mike Elias took the wall and moved it so far out of left field and so high that every team is hit <laughs> is because he wants free agent pitchers to come to Camden Yards, and no free agent pitchers wanted to come to Camden Yards, just like they don't want to go to Coors Field. They don't want to sign in Baltimore. They don't want your money because that ballpark is too small and fly balls are home runs. So now you've made it so that you've got to that if you're a pitcher, I'll go to Camden Yards now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you've given me an incentive to go there, and you're going to have money, some money to spend, uh, hopefully, Mr. Angelos' family. family. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's any doubt. Uh, if you trade Santander and or Mancini, you need pitching, pitching, and pitching. Just keep trading for the pitching and load up on the pitching. Uh, but also, you got to go to free agency and get some that way, too. Do you uh, think... You know, I think this is the off season; they got to spend some money. I but thought I, last yeah. off season they, they'd go spend for one guy and try to do at least one guy a year, uh, which they didn't do last year, which I thought they should have. But they have to start doing it this year because you don't want all the kids to arrive and then you don't have enough to win right away. I could yeah, I with, could
1: be proved wrong, Jim, but I hear that they don't quite. You know, John doesn't quite have access to the checkbook. You know, the, yeah. the family checkbook, and unless. There were details on how the succession plan, I understand I could, that could take a while.
4: Yeah, no, I've heard the same thing. I've heard yeah. that there's a lot of complications, um, and there's really, yeah, a lot of complications with health and a lot of complications yeah. with, what you can and can't do for a period of time until certain things happen, I I, I understand that. And you've got the lawsuit that's out yep. there. You got the mass situation. It's, it's complicated. It I is get complicated. it. Yeah. But but let me say this: there's enough revenue in the industry, and you have enough non-arbitration eligible players coming that there is money. Okay, that you can go out in free agency and add a piece or two this winter.
2: All right, that hey,
4: it, there's absolutely a pathway to do that. Before, and that's what has to happen.
1: Before Glenn finishes up with you, I got to ask you one question. I, I didn't know Dan Duquette when he came to Baltimore, and I had reason actually not to like Dan. But over time, I really appreciated the work that he did here. Given that he sort of had to go into combat with one hand tied behind his back. Uh, on the international side of things. Uh, and he also didn't have full say so in baseball uh, decisions. Your opinion of the job that Dan did and whether you think he'd be worthy of somebody hiring him again?
4: Yeah, I think, I definitely think so. I, I think the one thing that any older person, if they want to get back being a GM or a manager has to understand is how much the game has changed. Mm-hmm. And if you don't keep up with how it's changed, it's going to be tough to compete yeah. because when you have organizations like the Dodgers and the Astros and Tampa Bay, uh, the Mets now that are so far advanced in technology, analytics, information, preparation, ability to tweak players, swings, and mechanics, we've never seen this before in the history of baseball, how far advanced it is. Yeah. If you can't embrace that with your staff, then you're, then it's not going to work. In Dan's last days in Baltimore, he had too much of the group that he had that was in Boston and Montreal yeah, and his yeah. previous stops. Yeah. There wasn't enough uh, of today's mindset around him to help him besides being restricted in what he could do internationally. Dan's a really good baseball guy. The only thing you know, I would say is you have to make sure your front office around you is competitive with the best in the sport because it's going to be tough to win if, you, if you're not.
0: Uh, Jim, I know we need to let you go, and I've kept you long. If I could just squeeze in quickly to revisit Mancini for a second. It's a sensitive thing, and I'm sure you understand yeah. that here in Baltimore. And, and you're never going to be able to recoup, you know, full value, right? Because this is Trey Mancini that we're talking about. He's Mr. Oriole at this point, not to compare him to Brooks Robinson, but you know what I mean.
2: Um, yeah.
0: What can you do? Can you can you do well enough in a Mancini trade that, that the fan base wouldn't be furious about it at the end? This is a player for as good of a season he's having. He's position list, right? Like most teams think they have a Trey Mancini on their roster somewhere. Can you do well enough to not, to not make this become a pitchfork situation with this fan base if you trade Trey Mancini?
4: No, it's going to be pitchfork when it happens. <laughs> uh, let me tell you what the fans want. They want to win, okay? So they'll forgive you in two years when you're winning. So win. You've got to win. That's it. You're building this thing. You, you, know, you, you don't have to spend all this money to win. Look at Tampa Bay. But you're getting close enough that in the next two years, when you, when I, when I'm back on your show in two years, mm-hmm. we better be talking about the Orioles being in contention right, yeah, right no now. No doubt. Yeah, I hear you. Um, and, and and then they're going to be okay. They're going to look back and say we understand what uh, we understand. We didn't like it. We wish Trey could have finished his career here. We're going to hear all that, right? But at the end of the day, that's what they want. So just just make sure you you deliver that. That's. A, it players come and go. I'm sorry to say that. Whether you're a superstar, a star, a good player, a fan favorite, a hated player, they're all going to come and go. Every single one of them is going to come and go. None of them are there. They all have an expiration date. Everybody. Everyone will get over it in time. Just win. When you win, it solves everything.
0: He is Jim Bowden, at Jim Bowden GM can, on Twitter.
4: Can
1: I say one thing, Jim? I, you, you talked about Dan Duquette needing to, you know, Grow up and with the uh, analytics and have the people around him. I got to tell you that one of the things I appreciate about you so much is you didn't have your nose in the air about fantasy sports. Mm. That when when your career changed, you have fully embraced. uh, You know your work with the fantasy alarm and everything. But there's a lot of people in your position that would have really thumbed their noses at fantasy. And I think you were very smart to do it, and it just shows uh, just shows a, a really neat side
4: of you, Jim. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I, and I will say this about fantasy. Uh, one of the things that was always fun in clubhouses is how much the players are into fantasy football.
2: <laughs> every mm-hmm. single club. Yeah, every Peterson. single <laughs> player.
4: Yeah. And, I mean, it, it's incredible. It really is. It is huge. And... and uh, and we had a nice little Tommy Pham, Doug yeah. Peterson moment last <laughs> week over it. But it, this is huge.
2: Yeah. And the
4: number of, of, of reality GMs that are in leagues together, yep. for, they, they don't want it to be public. And we understand why. Because people don't have... But it, it's, it's also important to understand the difference between reality and fantasy and it allows a lot more people to get involved and love baseball even more I agree. when when you follow players at this level so i love baseball period i love it at every level and whether it be reality fantasy or betting which is now obviously uh big in the sport i think it's all great and all fun to follow
0: the athletic sirius xm and of course cbs sports He's hq jim bowden thank you so much thank so you, given John. of your time today thank you thanks guys Stuff, man. Really great stuff from Jim Bowden this morning here on uh, GCR. Again, it was before we knew about the lawsuit, and there's great irony as Stan and Jim just sort of kind of both addressed that there were maybe some problems that were impacting the Orioles' ability to spend money.
1: I uh, was in, by the way, I was in no way, shape, or form sort of predicting right, that, right. that that was about the right, blow off. Just the, that
0: there was something yeah. that. Yeah that that kind of presented a problem and we know a little bit more about yeah. what that problem might be now yep. um uh, 24 hours later yeah but a lot of great stuff in there i mean like he's predicting gunner he Henderson really to be a, torma- he's oh he's very he's, he's he facility. has become an out as these guys go i don't know that any of them have become a better personality yeah that doesn't mean he doesn't get things wrong at times um if, if you do this, if this is what you do for a living, you're going to yeah, get You're not going to be right all the time. He's, he's yeah. predicting Gunnar Henderson will be a batting champion in Major League. That's a hell of a bold prediction to make. Yeah. Gunnar Henderson might be a hell of a baseball player and just never win a batting championship. You, you right?
1: know one of the smartest things he did was when I asked him about Henderson and Mayo. Yeah, he could have BSed around mm-hmm. Mayo. Oh, he's got tremendous power. Yep. He hadn't seen him in nope. a couple of I'm years. Not gonna right yep. I, I'm not
0: going to lie to you. I'm not well versed enough to feel comfortable yep. talking to you about Kobe Mayo. He will
1: now. Oh, he'll, no doubt. He'll go, no doubt. Yep. he'll go back to the drawing yeah, board. Yeah, probably here. talk about it on his show. <laughs> right. You know,
0: right? Exactly. Hey, you know what? I wanted to talk about this Kobe Mayo <laughs>
1: fellow. Uh, great stuff.
0: Really great stuff with Jim Bowden. All right. We got uh, one more break to get to, and then we're going to wrap up with a tidbit and tubular. You're going to stick around and finish up the show. (laughs) I'm going to try. All right, very good. Stan's battling for us. Appreciate it. Uh, Yeah, right. He's been he's been through the ringer today. Yeah, I didn't even ask you, but you have any thoughts about like live golf and the Saudi Arabian thing? Like, you have any thoughts on?
1: Uh, You know, it's funny. We did that one more thing about Mm -hmm. two two or three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. It was three weeks ago. Where I told the story about the, the Mexican Mexican Baseball League, League, Mexican yeah. Baseball League uh, that I had kind of buried in my head for 40 years, and I went back and read up on it, and it's funny that's come to pass now with the PGA suspending these players. And they're saying they're drawing a hard line, and yeah, we'll see. It's going to
0: it's going to end up in court for sure. There's no doubt. And at the end of the day, I I'll never be okay. There'll never be a day where I say. Yeah, you know what? They just wanted to get their money. That's all right. I will always come back to, no, this is shameful. Like, this, yep. is, you're, this is the Saudi Arabian government. Right. Th- this is not okay. You'll never get – no matter how much well, – they just want to play golf and make money. And right. The, no, no. Right. That, will, that day will never That's come. Literally blood money. 100%. All right, one more uh, tidbit, two-bit, of ri- wind down for the week. Stand the Fan is here. It is Glenn Clark Radio.
3: Are you ready, soccer fans? this summer the english premier league returns to baltimore arsenal everton square off in the charmed city match july 16th under the lights at m t bank stadium home of the baltimore ravens this is your only opportunity to take in a premier league match this summer in the mid-atlantic region individual and group tickets are on sale at baltimoreravens.com
0: the latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip
3: That first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches, and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hey, B-More. The Orioles 2022
0: Birdland Summer Music Series presented by Miller Lite kicks off Friday, June 17th with Flo Rider. After the O's take on the Tampa Bay Rays, stay for the post-game concert and watch Flo Rider perform live from the infield. The concert is free to all fans who attend the game, with the option to add special on-field access. With hit singles like My House and his latest single, Wait, what better way to watch Flo Rider perform live at Camden Yards on June 17th? Buy tickets now at Orioles.com
2: slash music.
5: Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fendel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and v Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports' Brad Cronthall help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday.
0: Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener,
5: flash-fried
0: pork belly with our popular Korean number no. 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday, with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, glorydaysgrill.com to find out more
5: great food, good sports. Don't forget that full episodes of the show are available for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. But warning, you get what you pay for. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio.
0: Today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan has been in studio with us. He's going to hang out with us a couple times. Uh, we'll make this sort of a, a Friday thing for June, and then... We'll see where we are after uh, we make the move and everything changes. Maybe I'll go and to Thursdays and,
1: yeah, in, pre- in, in July. In the
0: new press box world, in the, the new place. Um, I mentioned your shows this week, but I know you got uh, Jeff Idelson coming on on Monday night.
1: Monday night, Jean Fruth, a female photographer, okay. uh, very well-known in the baseball industry. They've written a book. Uh, well, she's actually written the book. Jeff has done the the foreword okay. to the book. Johnny Bench and... Um, and Jim Tomey have written. Oh, uh, I've heard of them. Like epilog, Because or Orioles something.
0: legend Jim Tomey. Yeah,
1: yeah. Orioles legend and f- personal friend of Ross Grimsley. Uh, Is Johnny that? Bench. Oh, oh, yeah. That Grimsley actually.
0: Bench. I was like, wait, Jim Tomey, really? Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. actually
1: caught uh, Johnny yeah? Bench caught uh, Ross. One hundred percent. Anyway, um, they uh, they've put together this book. It's like a coffee table book. It's called Grassroots Baseball uh, on Route sixty six. Okay, and it. Details minor league parks and figures through the minor leagues and baseball's in the heartland of the country. Uh, cool. The place that baseball has. It's interesting that uh, I said to, to uh, Matt Lund with Maroon PR, who's handling this, I said, it's interesting that Johnny Bench caught Ross Grimsley because Ross is going to do the interview with me, and my fantasy baseball team is Route 66. Well,
0: how about that? Look at all that. Look at all that. Well, that's cool. That'll be Monday night uh, that you'll be able to catch that. The uh, Orioles are away in Toronto next week, and Brandon Hyde has already said that, you know, there's probably going to be a couple of guys that won't be able to make the trip with us because... In Canada, you have to be vaccinated in order to go play. That's quite frustrating that that is still an issue that we are dealing with, but appears to be the reality of the circumstances. When the birds get back next weekend, um, don't forget the Chick-fil-A has made this awesome offer to you. They want to hook you up with free food for a year. A year! One full year. Calendar year. So when the Orioles get back next weekend, what you need to do is get to the ballpark, find the life-size Chick-fil-A cow bobblehead. It's over in the Cal kids' – Cow C-O-W. Not C-A-L. This is not a Cal Ripken and bobblehead. Not, not C-O-W-L. No, not like, that either. Like by, by the territory. way, let's all be honest about that. That has been an issue for all of us over the years. <laughs> At some point in our lives, Cal and Cow started sounding the exact same here in Baltimore. It is an accent problem. It is a number of times we said the word problem. It is all of those things. The cow, the moo cow bobblehead. Go find it in the kids' corner. Take a picture with it. Follow at Orioles on Instagram. Then use the hashtag cow bobblehead sweepstakes when you post your picture. And if you do that, you could be one of 12 fans. 12 that win free Chick Fil A for
1: a year. Now, does that mean? Do you, I, I? You probably don't know all the buy. buy I don't. I don't have all the buy rules. Like, do you think you could go once a day? I would like to hope so, but I don't. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I, here's my gut: it's a certain amount for the year. Yeah. So however you use it, that's up to you. But it's a certain amount for the year. That's just my gut, knowing how some of these contests have been before. Uh, the contest ends August 27th, so
1: you got time. You think it could be fifty thousand dollars? I don't believe.
0: I don't believe that they will give you a cash payout instead. <laughs> believe you're going to get the Chick Fil A. And by the way, some of us might spend fifty thousand dollars a year at Chick Fil A. Anyway, uh, don't forget to visit the kids' corner at Oriole Park. Get that picture with the cow bobblehead. For uh, all of the details, you know what? Maybe I can find the answer to this here. Orioles.com/slash/chick-dash-fil-dash-a. I'll tell you
1: one thing: when I get a tray of those uh, chicken, uh, we tenders, used
0: to, the nuggets. Yeah, nuggets. we we used to.
1: You can't you can't put them down. We
0: um, whenever we had guests in studio, I would like to um, you know splurge a little bit and uh, and have a Chick Fil A catering tray waiting for them. And Stan, at one point, legitimately, this is not a joke. Stan came in to me at one point and said. Could you not let me know when it's here? (laughs) Because I can't control myself. And I said, Stan, I understand, my friend. You know, people ask me how
1: I lost during the pandemic. Yeah. I lost like 30. It was just because you weren't here when all the Chick-fil-A was here. I just stopped. I didn't have the the chicken tenders (laughs) tray. 100%. The chicken
2: morsel
0: tray. All right. um, Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit brought to you today by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Big events tomorrow night. UFC 275, Prohaska, and Teixeira in the main event today. Is if that you, Mark Teixeira? It's not Mark Teixeira. It's not Saverna Park's own. It's Glover Teixeira, the Brazilian fighter.
1: Of
2: course.
0: Uh, defending his, uh, his belt tomorrow night against Yuri Prohaska. If you want to be there to watch the fight, avoid having to pay for the pay-per-view, and be able to bet... And there are so many great ways that you can bet on the fight. In fact, Griffin came up with a tremendous idea. That if you follow Live Casino and Hotel on social media, you'll be finding out about that today. Griffin's idea for how you should bet the main event of UFC 275 tomorrow night. Uh, but if you want to do that, email events at sportssocialmd.com in order to guarantee reserve your spot for the fights.
1: He looks like he's probably a UFC fighter. I have think.
0: no, I have no Thank idea. Thank you, Stan. I have yeah. no idea. Yeah. I don't want to. Kn- I don't.
1: Very wiry looking. <laughs> you know.
0: I don't. I don't want to. Like I'd be gonna, like
1: a good grappler, wrestler. Grappler,
6: like yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't want
0: to anger him because if he is, then he might end up kicking my ass. It's quite a. It's quite a problem. Griffin the grappler. Griffin the Ooh. grappler. Tonight. Tonight, tonight, game four, of the NBA final. Same deal. Email events at sportssocial And before the fights tomorrow night, you can watch the Belmont in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Unfortunately, you just can't bet on it in the FanDuel Sportsbook because of the laws in Maryland. You cannot bet on the races anywhere but the tracks. So. You know,
2: I
1: had a picture come up on my facebook the other day it was seven years ago mm-hmm. like four days ago seven years ago that uh pharaoh uh, american pharaoh yeah the pharaoh, won the triple crown the right. triple it's crown. a great and point i was there i had a picture i took i don't picture. remember
0: you go you went yeah
1: well Man, my I'm... mother-in-law had gotten sick and we went oh, to new yeah. york you know what i do vaguely and, remember this and, now and there was that's like right this opening on saturday and i said to well, my we're wife here, yeah, i said hey right and i took the train out there and, uh, oh, I'm it, was, so it jealous. was, it was a, it was really oh, I'm one of the so top, jealous. top things I ever saw.
0: Oh, I'm so insane. You know, I went the year before Yeah. because my wife and I got married in 14 and we were going to miss both the Derby and, so I used to do my show on the old station that doesn't exist anymore. I used to do that from the Derby every year. Okay. And then we, of course, would always go to Preakness every year. And that year, just the way that it kind of worked out. Um, we weren't gonna be able to go, so because we were getting married and then our honeymoon. So we agreed that would be the year that we would go to Belmont, It'd be the first time we would ever go. And I'm trying to remember because it was a year where the California Chrome had won the Derby and Preakness and was going for the Triple Crown. And it was. See,
1: I knew not to go there. It was. Yeah, yeah. You knew I that was a terrible to, year. I to talked go. to Griffin, right, and he said, "Don't he feel said, it. Uh, go next uh, year." As
0: no one will remember, the winner of the Belmont that year was Tonalist including myself and i was there and i have no recollection i just remember it, it was it was this, this joyous i've never felt anything like it the day was electric mm-hmm. it was incredible you were going to see a triple crown, and the man. moment down the backstretch that everyone realized california chrome was not uh, going to be it was all of a sudden anger it was it got dark like the crowd took a turn that day, and everybody realized, oh, my God, we've been standing in the heat for <laughs> right, for, 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 for 10 for, for, hours. We're all dripping in sweat. We're packed because at the Belmont, as you know, there's no infield. There's nowhere to go. Right. Like, you're all just packed on top of each other. Getting out sucks. There's no easy
1: way to I get out. I got out so fast after. Really? Seriously, I saw the horse win, but I wasn't hanging around. I said, what do I care to see that? Right. I, I was on that train back to New York, <sighs> like in two minutes man it was it was crowded yeah,
0: it was a rough it was a rough day for your boy anyway that's my yeah. s- that's my story yeah. anyway yeah. i don't know I'm how we got there into it. go ahead this weekend. tidbit yeah. Yeah. you, you
6: kind of stole my tidbit it was going to be who won the 2013 it was Bellmont. 2014 nice try no, Nice the try. one the one that you were at that was going to be
0: no i was at the 2014 oh Bellmont. you were no, he was at 2015 which uh, was, was american 15. pharaoh okay I, I was at 2014, up, which joke. was tonal. Of course, I would have known it was tonalist. Yeah, I would have definitely known that. Uh, well, so I were, have no idea who won the 2013 Belmont. <laughs> Couldn't possibly tell you that. So the
6: Orioles did actually play a game last night. Um, yeah, we didn't that really we, talk about other things going on. Bobby Witt Jr. stole two bases uh, last night, and I was gonna say that was he won the first matchup between you know the top two picks of 2019. But Adley Rushman wasn't. He was left out of the lineup. Well, so but he did get into the game. He and did get my into the God, game later.
0: I was so. This is after the, uh, the thing. I had flipped back over. Because right. I was also watching the hockey last night. The hockey was really good. The Rangers took a 3-2. Uh, sorry, the Lightning took a 3-2 series lead. Um, Adler Rutschman came up with two runners on. The Orioles down by three as a pinch hitter. And I was like, oh, my God. This would be so. How electric would this be for him to get his first home? <laughs> Flew out the left field. Bummer. You know, um, the
1: Lightning, by the way, not to interrupt your tubular Tuesday. But, uh, tubular uh, This is just tidbit. This, this is just tidbit. tidbit. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's I, all right. I get You're the good. Bits, it's fine. But uh, the the Lightning presented you with one of the rare opportunities to bet, Brother, bet much better I, team. I
0: own a 12-1 ticket for the Lightning to win the Stanley Cup from before the playoffs began.
1: I just meant this series. I wonder oh. what they were when they were down 2-0. Oh, when they were down 2-0, yeah. I mean, because they, they were so much better than the Rangers
0: definitely better than the rangers but that was what made no sense i this is one of the few that i'm very proud of when the playoffs began we do all these videos that you see on live casinos social pages and one of the first things i said is this the lightning played well down the stretch in the regular season i get it they were kind of confusing earlier in the year but they were playing really well in march going into the playoffs and they were literally the two-time defending stanley cup champions i get them not being favorites but that number should have been more like six or seven to one, not twelve to one. Mm-hmm. I got a ticket them at twelve to one. I am one game away from being able to hedge that to guarantee that I am a winner. Right. Um, I am very pleased with how things have gone. Now I need them to finish the job. I don't want to start, you know, getting too excited. They got to finish the job, and they've won two. This is now twice in the series: Game three and Game five, where they scored with less than two minutes. The game, the game-winning goal, they scored with less than two minutes left yeah. in the third period.
6: Great hockey going on. Uh, so hopefully tonight, yeah, is going to be the first uh, matchup between the the first full game we see both players play. Um, and uh, so, yeah, Bobby West stole two bases. That got me thinking about, you know, exciting rookies and stolen bases always bring excitement to me, uh, to me at least. Okay. Um, and Julio Rodriguez, another rookie who actually leads the majors this season with 17 steals. Um, so he is chasing uh, the rookie, like, record okay. uh, of steals in a season held by Vince Coleman. Do you know how many steals he had that in uh – that would be nineteen eighty-five.
1: Over a hundred? That's this isn't the full tidbit. So this is over just, just kind
6: of set up. Yes, over a hundred. Hundred three? Hundred ten. Jesus. And God. that and he clears the next closest by about uh by f- almost forty bases. <laughs> so who are the next seven rookies that would there's, on that list of no steals way, by a rookie? No way I'm doing this. Um Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson. Nope, not his rookie year. Wow. wow. Uh,
0: Billy Hamilton.
6: There you go. He had 56 in 2014. Barry Bonds. Hmm. No, not. I like that. That was a good guess. Not here as a rookie. He's not, Tim not Ender- in the top 20. Tim, Anderson. Tim Henderson. Tim Henderson. Han- Anderson. Oh, Tim Anderson. Anderson. No, not Tim Anderson. Okay. Uh,
1: this isn't going to go
0: well. <laughs> this is not. This is going to be a bloodbath. There's bath. a couple. There's you a couple really tough ones. You were good
1: really with Billy ones. Anderson. I Christian Yelich.
0: Nope, not Yelich. Not sure how many. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think of like I'm, yeah. now. I'm I'm Lou Brock.
6: Lou Brock? No, not Maury Wills.
1: No. no, they weren't great their first year.
6: No, you had. I guess you had to. You've had. You had to have played a ton of games as well.
1: Yeah. Uh. Theta
0: Pinson. Pension. Uh,
1: no. Not Frank Robinson. All
6: right. No.
0: How about the? Okay. How about you start giving us some something to work with here? Okay. Ichiro. So let's
6: see. There you go. Ichiro is number eight. That makes it right? makes a lot of he's, sense. He's the last. He was the last one. Okay, but he's on the so. list. Yes, Settle the down. <laughs> so you got Billy Hamilton. Ichiro guy over
0: here. I get one right, and he's like, <laughs> yeah, but it's barely right. <laughs> I get my ass kicked.
6: How about Kenny Lofton? <laughs> there you go. Kenny Lofton, sixty-six. He is fourth. Wow. For stolen bases. Craig Biggio. Biggio not on here.
0: I was hot. I was hot. Yeah. I wanted to keep going. <laughs> All right, give me something. Uh, let's see, Chuck Carr. No, I, I wanted 58. you to. I wanted you to give well, me I, something. I like, you don't know who these people are, yeah, so you know. can't I like, give me. I, I like Chuck better Carr. than he I gives us the right, name. Yeah, right. <laughs> I want a hint, and then maybe we could get there. A former Expo, Tim Raines. There you go, Tim Raines. I guess that would have been a good guess to start with. We probably should Tim have Tim Raines at seventy-one. Yeah. Anything else? And A
6: former Philly and Jimmy Rollins. No, not Jimmy Rollins. Jimmy Rollins had... Not in the top eight, but he did have a 46 Jimmy in 2001.
0: When, when, when time
6: frame was? F- ni- 1980s. 1980s. Phil- Philadelphia, Philly from the 1980s. Dykstra. Lenny Dykstra. No. How about and Abreu?
1: Then,
0: oh, he was with the no, Mets No, not first, Abreu. Yeah. And then a Pirate
6: from the 90s.
0: Late 90s. Pirate from the late 90s, Philly from the 80s.
1: My memory back, yeah clogged I'm, up. Juan
0: uh-huh. Samuel, Juan, Juan Samuel. Oh, oh. Yeah. Griffin. Griffin. Yeah, that's not good.
6: He had 72, second all time by a rookie. Uh, okay. And who was the other? Uh, Tony Womack. Tony Womack.
0: Wow. For this, <laughs> all right. for
6: 1997, this he had. We, we got lock some of these things. 60 up. stolen bases for oh, the Pirates. Juan
0: Samuel and, and Tony Womack. <laughs> you that's got their names. Well, yeah, but they're not they're not actual. You knew who I was talking about. Okay. Thank you, Griffin. We got it. We got to step up a little bit. All right. Tubular is brought to you today by. Who is this brought to you by? This is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. One more week for the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill with the uh, <coughs> strawberry salmon salad, as well as the baseball cut sirloin, the cracker jack sundae, the flash fried pork belly with the Korean number two sauce. They call it the opener. Last chance. Get there this weekend. Glorydaysgrill.com to get your order in. Some highlights for this weekend. Orioles-Royals continues. Four-game set throughout the weekend. Tonight, 8 o'clock on Masson, Bruce Zimmerman and Jonathan Heasley. Tomorrow at 4 o'clock, Tyler Wells and Daniel Lynch. Sunday at 2 o'clock, Dean Kramer and Brad Keller. All those games are on Masson. Game four, as I mentioned, tonight at 9 on ABC for the Warriors and Celtics. Game five is not until Monday, so that's the only game this weekend. Tomorrow night for game six between the Rangers and Lightning, 8 o'clock on ESPN. The Belmont is tomorrow on NBC. Coverage gets underway around 5 o'clock. And I think the race is at just after six, if I remember correctly. I don't think it's quite as late as the Preakness is, but I'll double check on that for the race itself. Not that anybody is all that concerned. Everything else, go to glenclarkradio.com. You can find about it there. It's not a big, big weekend necessarily. Non sports-wise, anything that jumps off the page? Oh, uh, on Netflix, the sixth and final season of
6: Peaky Blinders comes oh. out today.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. I yeah, I very didn't know that either. About I that. was a, I love Peaky Blinders.
6: Um, the the Buzz Lightyear movie. It's
0: but this is. Disney but what's her face passed away? The mom. Yes,
6: the yeah. they said they're going to
1: address was, that somehow. So she I was
0: wonderful. Oh, she was so great.
1: I got a good Australian series, one season. What is it? It stars Thomas Jane, remember I'm him? F- I'm familiar he Played yeah. Mickey yeah, Mantle. 100%. Uh, and Hung, the HBO series. Uh-huh. Trapo. Trapo. Okay.
0: I'll take a look. I'll take a look. All right. The I didn't. Australian. Did, I, uh, Polly from Peaky Blinders, the actress who played her, passed away, and she kicked ass, man. She was so great. So I'm bummed about that, but I'm excited about the season
6: a uh it's called dirty daddy on netflix a bob saget tribute oh okay it's out on All netflix right. today yeah. john stamos jim carrey chris rock jeff ross and others pay tribute to I, Bob I, saget. i'll take a
0: look at that yeah i did finally watch the norm thing um where he like recorded a comedy special but it's just him in front of a computer before he died and it's it's very weird because it's still very funny but there's you know no crowd there's no reaction and, like, he literally answers his phone halfway through it. Like, it's a whole mm. – I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was very good.
6: Very funny guy.
0: Everything else, GlennClarkRadio.com. One last thing,
6: Barry, season three finale ah, on HBO.
0: Right. Very good. Sunday night at 10. All right, Stan the Fan, thank you for coming in and joining us. Uh, my pleasure. We'll see you my next pleasure. Friday. All right. Thanks as well to Jim Bowden. Thanks all to Sam Dykstra. We'll get that up in the greatest hits section of the <laughs> tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Tomorrow morning, the bat around 10 to noon. Stan will be checking in with the boys, talking some baseball, as uh, Paul and Zach do it every Saturday from 10 to noon. Rita and I, 1 to 4 on Sunday on 105.7. The fan, join us then. Um, thanks, everybody, at PressBox. All of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Charm City Match, Grade 8's memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. The Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com, the Costas Inn. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Thanks to Ryan at Ryan, Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok now at Glenn Clark Radio. Yeah, we're, we're doing that. Uh, have a great weekend. Go, Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too.